was really good. That stone was fantastic. No, am I kidding? I'm just becoming so I'm just going to go with it. I'm bloating up so I, you know, I was raised to believe that if you're going to do something, you do it all the way. You do it to the best of your ability. You're going for the gold, Rick. <laughs> I'm going to become fat. I'm going to become really fat. I'm not holding back. There is no semi-bloatation happening here, no. We are taking it to the limit. One more time. As Glenn Fry would say. Fantastic. By the way, I do have to give a little shout-out to our man, Seamus, uh, who uh, who lives in Colorado. And I think, you know, my mic sounds uh, sounds good today. Sounds good. The processing is back to normal. I think everything has been returned to its normal state. It's fantastic. Um, so I get to give a little shout-out to our man, Seamus, who runs the Emerson Challenge Blogspot blog or whatever, which I do. I did sort of perversely check it out last night just to see what he's been saying. Because I haven't ridden my bike in like a year and a half. Now, my rate is still in the double digits. My success rate is still at, like, 43%, amazingly. I don't know how that... How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. Because I did ride, in my own defense, for the first couple months, I rode almost every day. Wow, well, this is my third time this week, Rick Emerson. Shut up about what it is. And you know it was hard. Post-vacation, getting on that bike for yes, the first time is the hardest part. And you missed that loophole, and now you're mentally thinking you can't do it anymore. But, it's, you know, it's really cold when I leave the house. You're so whiny. <laughs> I know, and the worst excuse. <laughs> Living in a world where there's, you know, famine and ethnic cleansing and nuclear warheads being stolen. It's so cold when I get up in my house in the morning. I I can almost kind of see my breath occasionally, every once in a while. No, I don't want to buy it. I'll just get on my big, fat-ass American truck and drive to work. Um, so I checked out Seamus' Emerson Challenge blog spot. You know, he's the blog he runs yesterday. You would think that you would run out of ways to say Rick didn't bicycle today after a while. You know, like after the fifth or sixth consecutive week of me just driving in, you'd think that he wouldn't have any more ways to say, like, does Rick even have legs? Someone go check on that. But he's able to come up with a glib witticism every single day to describe my abject failure to help the retarded. So uh, so well done on that front. Congratulations, my friend. Hold on just one second.
also on the bloating front, there were these, not only were there fantastic scones upstairs, and you really have to acknowledge that was a great scone. Like a raisin, walnut, brown sugar kind of a thing. Dave's in corner would be upstairs. Did you eat the whole thing? I did eat the, I ate the, ate the entire thing I did. Because in terms of sweet stuff, really, like a pastry, that's my Achilles heel. Because, like, I'm not, you know, like candy I know, I'm in the coffee shop with you. You can't walk by a piece of coffee oh. cake without buying it. And, like, stuff that's really sort of sharply sweet, like ice cream, it's, I can just pass that up all day long. Uh, you put some sort of a scone or a turnover or a cinnamon roll or, a, you know, something that's starchy in front of me, just goes right down my gullet. Right down my gullet like I was a plastic uh, pelican. <laughs> right down there. Uh, in any event, hi there. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is five minutes after the hour of 11. And this, the month of September of the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of uh, AM 970. Southern State Radio, a proud part of the CBS radio family. Hold on. I'm... Uh... All right, just reading an email that came in. I'll get to that in a second. All right. Uh, my email is bad. My email was down for a lot of yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I, if you sent me an email during yesterday's program, there's, I don't know, like a one in four chance that I got it. Uh, so my, my server was doing some, there was some wackiness up with the uh, the email server. So some of it was getting delivered, some of it wasn't. So I'm getting a lot. Of, it's all coming in a flood this morning. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is Thursday. And welcome to day 12. Uh, Scotty J is standing by, I think. I think he may be back there. Scotty's been behaving a little weirdly today. Because I've noticed that, too. He's acting very strange. He's, he's, and that's that's kind of weird to say, I know, because it's Scotty, but yeah. something's off. Now, as the Four Non Blondes would say, Scotty is acting a little peculiar this morning. And I don't really know to what I should ascribe that. But I, I will tell you this. Um, because, you know, yesterday was the Phil Spector thing. And we played that song before, but like us yesterday, he was talking about that song, He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss, which is like the, like the greatest, creepiest song ever. Which is just, especially when you consider the fact that He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss was a hit, I think. I'm pretty sure the Crystals sang that, and it was like a top 40 hit. Uh, which they don't, uh, as he noted, they don't play that anywhere these days. They've they've opted not to play He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss on today's, today's hit sound radio. Um... Anyway, so Scotty heard Scotty heard Like Us yesterday playing this Phil Spector song. And Scotty came in today and he's like, and, and everyone who hears that song feels like they've discovered it for the first time. Like they're the only ones that have discovered it. Absolutely. So Scotty was like, I've got the greatest idea. You should play this Crystal song. He hit me and it felt like a kiss. And I kind of paused and I said, did you just steal this bit from Tom Like Us yesterday? And he goes, Rick, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I've just stolen that bit. And then he kind of, like, chucked me on the shoulder playfully and then walked off. And then I went to the bathroom just now, moments before the show started, and he was sitting in the kitchen, pushed back from the table, sort of staring up at the ceiling, tiles doing nothing. And I said, what's up? And he said, without even looking at me, he goes, I'm taking a moment. And then just continued to stare blankly at a plain white ceiling. So I think there may be something amiss in the funhouse that is Scotty J's head today. But we'll... Uh, We'll inquire about that later. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. He is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about that. Whatever the tedious, the interesting, the groundbreaking, the mundane. It is 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am, uh, Tim at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. All right, here's what's, uh, before we get to anything else, here's what is coming up today. We will talk to CNN radio correspondent Bob Noodles Costantini. Uh, he'll be joining, I think, is she talking about the Larry Craig thing? Is that the deal? There was a bit of a... Uh, yes. 
There was a little bit of a ruckus with the CNN uh, uh, folks this morning. But Scotty will be happy to know that he has a new task now. <laughs> Scotty, we're going to reward you with a brand new responsibility. What might that responsibility be, sir? Scotty J, you get to butter Laura Cabezal every morning. <laughs> With your Scotty butter. I'm done. Yes. I can't do it now anymore. Now he's just typing on the screen. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Let's Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, my kissy on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Matolia. Welcome now to the Rick Everson Show. I'm Trepid, and I believe hungover PA, the one and only Scotty J joining us today. Hello, sir. How are you? Well, good morning, only. Hi. How are even that. <laughs> You're sounding kind of creepy today, frankly. Um, were you listening to Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye earlier? No, I was not. I was because listening the... to the smack, kiss me, he hit me thing. Put women in their no, place, that's right? New... Okay. No, that's the new 50 Cent. Um, the, you know, we had the door oh, open, Kelly. and we heard the... He hit me, and it felt like a kiss, which Courtney Love, I think, used to play in concert, too. Um... And then after that, we heard the sounds of Marvin Gaye's sexual healing wafting down the hallway, <laughs> which is just the creepiest, worst well, song ever. Who would ever. even be playing that in this building? Uh, moving. I, well, it has to be moving. I guess. I wouldn't play that. I Except mean, at a wedding. Moving horizontally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who, creepy. I can't mean it's not KUFO, and that's pretty much it, right? I mean, it's, 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 it, it, KUFO it has, to be, has done the switch. Yeah, they're doing the disturbed <laughs> version. <laughs> sexual healing. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, kill me. Um, no, so now has my microphone just gotten louder? Yes, it was really quiet before, and now it's louder. I don't think it's fixed. All right, well there you go. Um, oh, that sounds better. That's oh. it. Sounds more normal now. All right. Uh, in any event, so so Scotty J, we have a new task for you. As of today, today, moving forward, as they say, you will get the exciting job of talking to Laura Cavizel at CNN every morning. And Which is an integral part of the show. I've done it. I can't take it. It's a crucial part of the program, All right. Scotty. Well, Rick, I, I got a question for you. Uh huh. <laughs> Right. Has your wife ever sent you to the store like Safeway, whatever, to buy maybe a little tub of butter? Are we heading towards? Well, let me let me ask you this right now. Are we in the attempted joke, or is the attempted joke that you're going to spring is that still over the horizon? It's over the horizon. Why, yes, Scotty, I do believe I have been sent to the store to get a tub of butter occasionally. That's kind of where I'm at with CNN right now. I am out of butter, and I don't see how I'm going to do this with with Laura. I don't understand I, what we're saying. I spread my, you know. <laughs> yes. Now let's yes, start over. Know. Continue, please. Please, please to elaborate. Okay, I buttered Laura Caviezel up yesterday, uh-huh. all right? Yeah. And we got along great until later when I needed to call her and see if we could talk to Jim Roop again. Because there was that little tiny thing happening, that incidental story. Phil Spector. Yeah. Right. Just a teeny. Yeah, just the tiniest little story. Uh-huh. And that's when I kind of ran out of butter, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Nobody knows what you mean. <laughs> Here's the thing. Sarah's been doing this for years now. Sarah's been calling CNN every morning and juggling the guest booking and doing all that for multiple years. And I, I just can't do it anymore. It's time for the torch to be passed to a new generation. Because Matt Peterson used to do it before me, and then he passed down that responsibility wow, to me. Like the and now, torch. now, little man, well, we give the I watch to I want to know the reason. Just is, I got to know. What I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a drama queen about this. Can you drop my mic level just a little bit over yeah. here? Because I'm, okay, there you go. Uh, so what do you, the reason behind what? i got to know what I'm stepping into. There, sure. There's nothing. a reason You're stepping this. into the daily phone call of talking to Laura Caviezel. I just. All the work is done for you. I circle the correspondence. Circles, I write and down I'll the even time. write the East Coast Times. Did you guys call her today? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Are we talking to Roop? Uh, yeah, we amazingly, yeah. they did decide to make him available today. We will be talking to Jim Roop at 2 o'clock. See, that's exactly what we're saying. See, you've got a, you've got a natural, you're intuitive... You're already thinking about it. You, you're already in that zone. You've got, a, you've got a knack for it already. Okay, we play Lycus on our station. So we can kind of, we can, no, we can tie things back in with Roop and the Spectre song, and he's going to talk about probably most likely the trial. See, he, here's the thing I've learned about you. You just get what is the phrase? Is it stuck in the craw? I think that's similar, but not exactly what I'm looking for. You will latch onto some bit of sound that you think I need to play. Remember how, like a couple weeks ago, you were furious at me because I wouldn't play that Head East song, Never Been Any Reason? That's and you were like, great song. you were apoplectic with rage, like <laughs> typing on the, like if you could have come through the computer screen and pummeled, uh, pummeled me, you would have done it. You're well, typing the screen, you've got to play that Head East song. No one anywhere needs to hear the Head East song ever again. Well, you talked about it the day prior. Okay, see, but do you see how a, 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 a casual passing mention of something doesn't mean that it needs to be played. Let me ask you this. Did you create a bunch of Jack the Ripper sound effects for me? I don't know, really. Well, you know what? In the RAS folder, <laughs> there's a whole thing called Jack Ripper. Is that from you? Let me look. Right here. It says Jack Ripper speech 1, Jack Ripper speech 2, Jack Ripper speech 3. Yeah, that's to go into the new speech folder we have in the RES. I see. Okay. That was so, created a long time okay. ago. Okay, I'm just saying. So you, one of the great things about you is you're very uh, you're a self-starter, as they say. Mm -hmm. you're, you're you're self-propelled, and so you create okay. a lot of this audio, but then you just fixate on some small thing, like the new delivery driver sounder, or uh, the, 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 like the head the head east thing, or now this crystal song, and you just <laughs> like you don't see anything else. Just the, to that to the exclusion of every other thing on the show, you fixate on that. So, I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that later because what we're talking about now is uh, your opportunity from now on to be the person who talks to CNN and books, for example, today. Because today, for, here's what happened this morning. Today we call in. Hey, can we talk to Lisa Goddard who's in uh, Edina, uh, Minneapolis about Larry Craig? Laura says, no, she's on a plane. And we say, well, can you elaborate, Laura? Well, that's not an example where you'd say, "Can you elaborate?" Probably because that's a self—that's a self-contained. The alpha and the omega no, are all know. present in yes. that. I know what a plane is, Scotty, and theoretically, so do you. But then you say, "Hey, who can we get to talk about Larry Craig?" And she says, with some grumbling and gnashing of teeth, "How about Bob Costantini?" We say, "Hey, that's great." So, yeah, there's been other times when I've asked her, and she'll just she'll have these one-word sentences where it'll be like, if I asked her, "Who else can we talk to?" She'll go, "No one." Yeah. yeah, just like that. <laughs> you, may, you may speak to no one. <laughs> so, well, you're going to get to experience the many moods of Laura Caviezel, because starting tomorrow, you're the guy who's going to interface with CNN in the morning. Congratulations, Scotty. Excellent. Well done. Wow. It's a, it's a really is a big step forward. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's the least we can do. And I really mean that. It is actually, literally, honestly, the least I could do. <laughs> and Laura's going to be happy she gets Scotty butter every day. Yeah, who needs Scotty butter? The answer is everyone. I'm going to make it short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all the others. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. <clears throat> all right, there you go. Thank you, Scotty Jamin. Thank you, Scotty. Fantastic. All right. Wonderful. <laughs> As he's walking in the hall, he just sort of slumps. His shoulders just kind of go down and just sort of, like, oh, God. It's I'd so... rather have Scotty in a kooky mood like he is today than in a bad mood. Yeah, he did. Well, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, he'll, he'll make some weird, hey, Rick, I created this Fat Albert sound for no reason. Okay, well, that's great. you got to play it. And then over the course of the day, the messages that he type on the, types on the screen to me, the, 
they become angrier and angrier and, and just more disproportionately enraged as the day goes on. So, in any event. All right. Uh, well, here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini will be joining us about uh, disgraced Senator Larry Craig. Uh, Jim Roof will be talking to us from Los Angeles about Phil Spector. We'll give away a copy of Halo 3 today. That is coming up today, and I'm not going to put it off till the final hours, I always do. Uh, today we'll be giving away a copy of Halo 3. Uh, we'll be playing Identify That Classic Video Game Sound. A copy of Halo 3 uh, for you today. Oh, also, a supplementary, an additional copy of Halo 3 going out today to the Glorious Bastard of the Week. We'll announce that. It is High Concept Thursday, uh, so we'll, uh, we, we will roll that segment out later in the program. That's something else. Something about a truckload of spoiled meat, but I don't know where it went. I have it somewhere. It's a story about spoiled meat on the highway. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. An angry man saws his home in half. A woman auctions off her youngsters for a short time on eBay to get away from them. Can I just tell you the greatest thing about that story already? I saw you printing that story. I said it came off the printer as I was looking for something that I had and I had printed out. And I picked it up and I said, I said, God, what did it, you know, woman, I just sort of read the headline aloud, and I said, woman sells her children on eBay, auctions her children on eBay. And Becca Berner, who's the, uh, Becca Berner, who's the promotion stretcher for KUFO, without even looking up from her computer, she's like, I just give mine away on the corner. Just, and then just get, clearly not a joke, clearly not trying to be witty. It was honestly just her gut-level response to that question. So there you go. All right. Uh, White Supremacist Group plans a music festival in Portland in October. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Okay. That's not going to end well. Uh, Van Halen will play at the Rose Garden December 1st. Angelina Jolie <laughs> is a generous tooth fairy. None of the Democratic candidates will now guarantee an Iraq troop pullout if elected. And we have a brand new Bushism for you. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, we'll make that a Bushwash. We'll, uh... Oh, people... I haven't heard it. No. Oh, you haven't? No. You haven't? Do you even know what it is? Uh-uh. Oh, we got to... Oh. Okay, no. Yeah, yeah, don't go looking for it, then. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm looking for the white supremacy... I can't believe that's Supremacy. happening in Portland. Supremacy. Usually that sort of thing is uh, contained in Idaho. Or on the east side. Yeah. Uh, all right. I well, don't even know how to spell that. Supremacist? Yeah. It's a uh, Nazi. N-A-Z-I. Yeah, I was going to say, just... Did you see on... Uh, um, God, it was Yahoo News or something. Did you see that military barracks that they're having to remodel in Colorado? Because the guy who built it... And this is a thing that you never really would have known until the era of Google Maps... The guy who built this military barracks in Colorado built it in the shape of a huge swastika. Oh, <laughs> you look at it from above, it's just a big-ass swastika, like right in the middle of this Colorado neighborhood. It's like school, house, swimming pool, huge swastika, school, house, swimming pool. <laughs> you gotta, and you got to wonder, I mean, that's the sort of thing that I guess it just kind of hit the Internet in the last year or so because somebody was scrolling through Google Maps. And they said, hey, let me show you what my house looks like from above. And, you know, and then they noticed that there was this giant swastika-shaped building uh, off in the distance. So you've got to, the, the kind of hilarious thing about that is you've got to wonder exactly how many people sort of flew over that over the last, because it was built in 1965, I think. How many people flew over that in the last 40 years and just sort of caught it out of the corner of their eye as it was going by? What? Did I? What? You know, and just sort of wondered. I mean, that would just, that's the thing that would disturb you. And they find stuff like that all the time. I think a lot more than the mainstream media really reports. I know that there was a, there was like a, a it was like a huge rose garden or something in, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in the UK, they, there was a, a giant field of flowers. But I mean, it was massive. It was like 300 yards by 300 yards. It was multiple football fields. 
And, you know, at ground level, you don't really even notice what the thing looks like. But at some point, somebody was flying over it in a crop duster, and they looked at a huge swastika. Jeez. They found a swastika. While I was in Europe, they found a swastika crop circle, too. You suspect that's the oh, kind yeah, probably not made by boop, boop, little green men. So, anyway. All right. That's made by little white men. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. All right, well, there's got to be some way to amuse ourselves with a white supremacist music That's festival. That's what I'm here. saying. There's really got to be some. That's a white supremacist music festival? That's Isn't correct, that what you yeah. said? Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. Because of all that, all your all your classic white supremacist hits will be, will be played. Songs like, and also, and who can forget? All right. Uh, okay, well, we'll get to that in the in the news hour. Uh, we're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. How are you doing? Hello. Now we just got endless requests for us to isolate the noise about Scotty buttering uh, buttering Laura's Caviezel or whatever, whatever, whatever the hell we were saying. Laura's Caviezel. Laura's Caviezel. Um, all right. Well, in any event. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get this, trying to get my email to open. Hi, how are you? Are you doing a thing? Yeah, no, I was trying to find the Laura sound, but then there's a strange ah, voice coming from my computer, and I don't know. It's okay. Let's not worry about it. Okay. All right. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. Now, why didn't now you? Uh, why aren't? Why didn't you eat more of the the scone that I brought in today? It was fantastic. Because I already ate something earlier. What did you have? What did you bring today? Did you bring more? Of the I ate a sandwich, chips? and then I brought some soy crisps. Now, what flavor? Because yesterday it was ranch or something. This is eating right, uniting flavor and nutrition. These are um. They're like little salt. rice cakes. They're sea salt. I don't these? understand salt as a flavor. You know, I haven't really tried them. What flavor are these? Well, they're salt flavored. Did you I mean, want to try one, Tim? They're just, soy. Yes, please. Hey. But I mean, really, honestly, what kind of a flavor is salt? I don't know. Salt is salt. I mean, you would never have, like, salt flavored soda. I think it tastes like popcorn. Mm-hmm. A little bit, I suppose. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't eat those. It's really good. People eat while flying. Yeah, no, totally. And you know what it is? Oh, you're absolutely right. This snack you brought me is just like, yes, that snack you just gave me is exactly like airplane food because it's the kind that dries your mouth out. You know, and, and airplane dry mouth, like airplane thirst is a very specific kind of thirst. There's no thirsty like airplane thirsty. And Laura can, is right back to her unbuttered self that, again. That, so. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And then when you're on the plane and you get the dry mouth on the plane, it's always as the woman has just started to shove the, you know, the, the whatever the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the confection, you know, the snack the tray, cart. yeah, the drink cart down there, and you can't get to the bathroom. You can't. You're just like, no, I just need to. Oh God! Be, and I've done this actually. I've been. And have you noticed this too on a plane? Despite what you ask, they always give you the tiniest glass imaginable with lots of ice, so you get like the good teaspoon and a half of water in there, which is almost worse than getting no water at all. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're a man lost in the Mojave. On JetBlue, they give you little bottles of water. Yeah, see, I gotta fly JetBlue nice. one of these days. I gotta. I've I actually. Say I was pretty impressed. Fortunately, I got this whole thing where I don't care if I drink tap water or not. Like I don't care where where water comes from. So I will actually go into the bathroom with my cup and just drink like what? the faucet water. Oh yeah. Out of the. Bathroom in the airplane? Yeah. That's gross. It's like pee. It's yeah. not. It's water. It's not it pee. It is not. No, it's pee. It's no. <laughs> well, they wouldn't let you Where do you think it. fresh running water from an airplane is coming from? Well, they let you put it on your hands. It's not like it's filled with Ebola. Yeah, but they're all the signs to use the soap. Oh, well, that's, uh, but that's only because that's only because you've been touching your your region. That's why you use soap. They, well, not, you know, they don't order you to clean your hands after. I don't understand this aversion people have to tap water. No, not tap water. Airplane water. Tap water is at least attached to pipe. Where do you suppose that the water that comes out of the faucet in the airplane comes from, Sarah? I think there's a big tub in there that, like, the pee goes in and then it washes back into the... 
That's what I think is really what kind of water circulation system they're going to have inside of an airplane. It's not a water circulation system. I think it goes into a big tank and then all that pee. (laughs) I'm sorry. I hadn't really thought about that. It just just goes into like a charcoal filter like in your fish tank at home. The same thing that takes the algae out. It just goes right into the... uh, no, I think I've, I've specifically seen many signs that say do not drink the water. They actually did have that when I was gonna, when I was taking the train from London to Scotland. You go in because we had a sleeper train, you know, we had because it takes like an eight-hour trip. Um, and when you go to use the bathroom on the train, there is actually a huge sign above the faucet that says do not drink this, you know. And in the, in our room, in our train, in the room in our train where we were sleeping. I didn't know you went to Scotland. Yeah, that's where Loch Ness is. That's where they keep Loch Ness. They, they don't have room to keep. They don't. They had. They tried keeping it in London, but it was too big. They um, uh, in our train compartment where we slept, there was also a little sink in there. Again, also with a huge. Do not let this near your skin. You know, basically is what it said. I mean, it had everything but like a biohazard symbol above it. But I'm talking about. But this isn't it's stinking European water. This is a good clean American uh, airplane flying. I'm doing. So you think they just uh, yeah, like bring in gallons of fresh water every time they fly the plane? Well, as opposed to I know that. I know that your theory about the urine just being used to wash my hands is more interesting, but really, where would they get the water from otherwise? I mean, don't you think that'd be? I mean, it, it, I don't know. The whole the whole bathroom situation in airplanes kind of freaks me out anyway. I mean, I think you know what it is. Here's my, I have a theory about this. Here is my theory about why you are grossed out. And don't get me wrong, Lars, the same way. She's like, I can't believe you drank water out of the out of the uh, you know the bathroom tap. Here's why I think people are grossed out by that. I believe people are grossed out by that because of the proximity to the toilet and the fact that it's in the no. bathroom. Like, let me, no, let me try to get this. Here's no, one. No, 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 listen to me now. Lara will not drink water out of the bathroom tap at home. Like, if she asks for a glass of water and if the kitchen's busy or, you know, whatever, if I go into the bathroom and I just get her a glass of tap water, which she's not opposed to tap water either, but if she asks for a glass of water and I, and I turn on the bathroom cold water tap and get her, she will not drink it. She won't drink tap water out of the bathroom. And I think it's because mentally people have a whole thing about it comes from the room where I do my business. No, but it's not even the room thing. It's like what's going on in there. So I'm reading an article here. Uh-huh. Each time the plane lands at an airport, a new water new water can be pumped on board through hoses that are very difficult to clean. Bacteria can grow in the plane's ah, water tanks and hoses that can wonderful. lead to E. coli. <laughs> the water can not only end up in the restrooms where you wash your hands and brush your teeth, but also in the galleys where the food and drinks are prepared. So, so I'm going to get it anyway. That's what I'm saying. So my method's just more efficient. So it's in like so it's in the stale ass lasagna they're giving me regardless. All right. Oh. Uh, but nobody oh, be- becomes sick except for the E. coli. That's answer. what I'm saying. You know, an E. coli is kind of a cool thing to die of anyway. People remember you, you die of E. coli. It's like mad cow disease. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Hey, you know, on those airplanes, the 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 water that's in that is in a separate tank. The yeah. one that goes through the bathroom. Yeah, it's not like it's else. not like pee water. No, it, it has its own holding tank for it, but it's yeah. non-potable water. What does that mean, potable? Potable. I can't put it in my bong. Yeah, no. Potable means that you can, you know, eat and drink with it. The truck that comes to uh, that called the poo out of the plane is the same one that fills the water tank. Okay, but just because it's the same truck Wait, so doesn't mean it's the, the same poo hose. And then they no, put in the drinking stop. water. See, no, 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 no. You're misrepresenting this. Just because the poo truck. They, they fill it doesn't mean it's the same hose, sir. No, it, it's not the same hose, but, you know, they don't clean those trucks. 
They don't clean the hoses. They don't clean the connections. Yeah, the but, rubber gloves. All right. But really, <laughs> let's... let's do the outlet pipe is the same... But let's be honest. Hold on. But, let, but let's, let me, let's be honest. Unless you live in a brand new $600,000, there's no way he can pay for it, Scotty J House. The, the, you haven't cleaned the inside of the, ta- the, the pipes in your kitchen. They're metal. Yeah, but they're metal on the plane. What do you think? It's not that no, they're not made out of The pipes in the, you know in the, they're plastic, just like an RV. I'm an American, like... and therefore I trust plastic. I believe plastic is, that's the uh, that's the material of the future, sir. But plastic well, yeah, is a but, super substance, is what it is. But the plastic pipes in uh, a plane, just like in my RV, have, um, they're not tight. They're not made to be tight. They uh-huh. have areas where water sits. Yeah. And that's the problem, is that it does create bacteria. That's why every year you have to flush out your your freshwater pipe. Well, I feel great. Thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I sound all like William Daniels and whatnot. One word, Benjamin. Plastics. The ground floor. Is this Bob Costantini already? That doesn't seem possible since we booked him for later on. All right. Uh, hey, Bob, hang on tight. We'll get to you in just a minute, my friend. we got to get rid of this break real quickly. Uh, we will uh, do this. We'll come back. Bob Costantini, later on Tim Riley at the uh, Ministry of Truth, Jim Roop, and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right. Thanks so much for all the emails. I appreciate your concern about my immune system. Boom out. Stop it. Shut up. This one just. That is probably why you have a freakishly strong immune system. That's what I'm saying. As George Carlin would say, it gets lots of training. Next up, swimming and sewage. This email just says plastic poop pipe one. Rick Emerson, zero. Thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Rick, don't let him get you down. You aren't as such drinking that hideous water as you are strengthening your immune system. Remember, every glass of that you drink is one more day you can survive the coming zombie apocalypse. All right, that's, see, that's the way you look at those things. It's got to be, it's less sort of a glass half full of filthy poo water. Let's welcome down to the From the hill, CNN radio correspondent Bob Costin. TV! Hello, Rick, how are you? Hi, Bob. How are you today? Great, great. I just want to thank you for bringing me on after that topic. Well, it's what I do. I try through my sort of ironic juxtaposition to make you look even more professional than you already do, sir. And guess what we're going to talk about? Are we talking about <laughs> bathrooms? I, that really that makes me look a lot more clever than I am. I should let people think that I sort of planned it out that way. Um, mm-hmm. So now you uh, now are you at uh, are you in D.C. Are you at, are you? Um, yes, in, I'm in. I'm on Capitol Hill. All right, which I guess is sort of. As good a place to be as, as anywhere because because Larry Craig didn't even go to this thing in Adena, did he? Just sort of stayed home and sent his uh, sent his people to to hash this out for him. No, and for now he says he is going to continue to stay in the United States Senate uh, until the judge comes up with a ruling about whether or not he can uh, withdraw his previous guilty plea to uh, the uh, disorderly conduct charge that grew out of that bathroom sting. Um, he was supposed to quit the Senate at the end of September, which is Sunday. Um, but uh, until the judge rules, which is apparently going to be maybe the middle of next week, Larry Craig is still going to be in the Senate. Uh, And, and, and frankly, he's under no particular obligation to resign if he continues to decide that – or change his feelings about all this and uh, isn't pressured that much. So, uh, well, let me just – so let me just extrapolate out from where we are now. So if he's saying – 
because this is sort of the interesting immovable object irresistible force thing of him already having said, despite his prevarication about the word intent, saying that he was actually going to resign. And this, by the way, is exactly the kind of political story that I can just talk about for days and days and days and days. I'm not that bright of a guy, but I'll tell you what. You, you insert somebody being busted for tapping on a bathroom floor weirdly and trying instead to ascribe it to some bizarre stance and a desire to pick up a single square of paper off the floor. I can talk about that for weeks. So he has said that he was going to resign at the end of September. But but now he is postponing it until the judge decides whether to let him withdraw his guilty plea. So question number one is, I mean, what is anything going to happen public relations-wise come, like, Monday? If the judge still hasn't said anything and he's still there, at some point is the GOP just going to take him into a room and just figuratively beat him in the face until he agrees to leave? Well, again, he is not under any obligation. He hasn't um, uh, turned in his resignation, if you will. Um and uh, he has allowed himself enough wiggle room that so if, um, even if the judge, yeah, <laughs> even if the judge uh, does or does not overturn or you know allow him to withdraw this plea, if you will, uh, uh, he can decide that he just might want to try to fight this out. Now, a lot of Republicans will certainly be expressing a great deal of concern to him should he stay on, um, uh, even if, uh, I, I think, either way, if he decides to stay on, if the if guilty plea is withdrawn and he feels he's got a fresh start in the legal system, I still think, of course, a lot of Republicans will be after him to quit because uh, it shines a certain kind of light on the, um, on the party. Um, and it also might possibly put into play a seat out in uh, Idaho uh, that should not be in play for Republicans. And by the way, the light that it shines is typically the same light that the police cruisers are shining into rest stop shrubberies in Florida. The uh, Republicans seem to fall into that a lot. Here, but, you just can't help yourself, can you? No, well, look, this, is, this, this story is tailor-made for me, my friend. This story is its like God decided to give me a small karmic gift and created this story in a lab with every element that I need to find it fascinating. My question is, it seems like a fait accompli that he's going to try to retain the office and run again because otherwise you know because, it, because in other words it is he does not have to be in office to, to try to get tried he could be at home retired and still be trying to get the legal the the the, the, the guilty plea overturned i mean that is not a his being in office is not a requirement uh, to try to get this uh, guilty plea overturned. So it seems like it is a given that he's going to try to keep the seat. And it's just you've got to wonder at some point if off the record he's just going to get a stern lecture from somebody saying, look, you, legally you might be allowed to stay, but you got to go now. I mean, you have to. I'm, so, I'm amazed that that hasn't happened already, that he hasn't been on the receiving end of a very strong lecture about how he's got to get out. I, I wouldn't say it's a given that um, he's going to try to stay. Um, but, uh, you know, as I keep pointing out, uh, even if he's, you know, even if the guilty plea is not a return, it's simply a misdemeanor. And uh, the Senate would have a very difficult time if, uh, if they wanted to vote to toss him out of the Senate. Uh, they'd have a difficult time uh, ejecting a senator for a simple misdemeanor, uh, disorderly conduct. Um, so he'd have significant legal ground to stand on to stay no matter what. But, um, you know, of course, it is the situation about whether or not 
this is politically palatable to Craig himself, uh, to the people of Idaho, and in a larger sense, the Republican Party, uh, if he's going to stay. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, the indications are that he's going to stay as long as he, uh, <laughs> he thinks it makes sense. And, frankly, he's not really saying very much about it. And uh, all indications from the hearing yesterday were that the judge appeared to be a bit skeptical uh, in, uh, against Craig's arguments. All right. Excellent. Bob Costantini, as always, my friend, it is a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will have speaks with you soon. My pleasure. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, from the hill, the one and only Bob Costantini. You can laugh at yourself. No, I'm not laughing at myself. I'm laughing at Bob because every time that music ends, I just show that. Hello, Rick. And it's good to be here. That's he's just genius. Well, because you wait too long, and so he gets uncomfortable. That's well, that's, see, that's the point. You're, I was going to say <laughs> you're just now discovering the finely crafted plan that is the Bob Costantini introduction music. Rick, about plastic pipes, says it. I can see now that we've got to dispense with this whole. Uh, this whole I don't think we do. We're not dispensing with it until I'm right. I'm just saying. I feel now I can see. I have to because if I don't address all these emails now, now that my email is up and functional again, now that my email's back in the game. I have to. <gasps> Rick, didn't you say when you got back? I'm sorry, that you had stomach fluish like symptoms, where your stomach was a little churny and bad. Uh, I did. To be fair, uh, I'm not alone in that. People who were not on the plane with me had that. Tim had it because he was gone, and someone else in this room, whose name is rhymes with Hera Helen, uh, was uh, having a little stomach churning yesterday. I think that's because I ate a lot of. Crypto. And if it's a thing, and if it's some sort of like you know, if I just inject ingested a glass full of cryptosporidium, it doesn't seem likely that you would have that as well. I'm just saying. I think that is. I think that people are making too much of that. It's just an unpleasant coincidence, I believe. Um, this email says, Rick. One other thing, I just had our house's plumbing replaced, and they use all plastic pipes, which is the big new thing in plumbing now. Plastic pipes are not just for airplanes. Your oh, home has yeah, the same pipes. Yeah. He says, I don't see how plastic would be different than metal other than the fact that you won't be drinking loose metal shards of rust when your water goes through the plastic. That's a fair point, sir. Well done. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? I'm just going to read these, and then we'll be, we'll be done. And I might actually try to get that Halo 3, the first Halo 3 giveaway done here. I might try to do that. Don't call. Don't call yet. I haven't made up my mind. It depends how much time we have. Because I think, here's the deal. I believe we have five copies of Halo 3 this week to give away. We did one yesterday. Uh... One for the Glorious Bastard of the Week, which will be announced later on. Uh, that leaves three, so that's like one tomorrow, two today. So I think we got two copies of Halo 3 to give away today. I'm not positive about that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So I think we might try to do one of those uh, here in just a second. Uh, Rick, let's see, what are we, uh, Rick, you'll be fine drinking airplane water, although I don't know why you don't just go to the little kitchen area and use the faucet where the stewardess is. See, I'm always afraid to do that, though, because I'm afraid... I don't. I don't have the stones to do that. I mean, it's like when I uh, to, to go into the little stewardess area and to use their own little private, you know, like tap water and glasses and cups and what. I'm most afraid they'll give me a smackdown. Although, and I don't mean any undue disrespect to stewardesses, uh, but can I just? Uh, Lara said something while we were on this flight that I hadn't really thought about. Because our stewardesses were really grumpy. They were just really bitchy and just, just clearly loathed us and their jobs and didn't want to be there. And You know, because we're flying another airline that's not JetBlue, and they obviously all wish they were working at JetBlue or Virgin Airlines, and instead they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're serving me who paid like $14 for my plane ticket. And she made the observation that people really imbue uh, stewardesses with all of this weird extra authority and power when really they're just waitresses that fly. That's really all they are. Like bats or mice with wings, stewardesses are waitresses 
in a small restaurant that happens to be above the ground. That's, that's a really good point, but they don't get tipped. No, that's no, but that's true. But they get free travel, though. They get they get free or deeply discounted travel. I would imagine as part of. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not saying you should be mean to them. But I'm saying I. I it is true that my whole life, I think I've. It's. I think it's because they work with the pilot who is like an actual authority figure, and they have, and also the fact that they have a uniform, and you're in an airplane where you are kind of feeling a little uneasy or maybe off kilter anyway, and so I think we ascribe all of this extra authority to stewardesses that they don't really have, that they don't they don't really deserve. So they really are just kind of waitresses, and the only reason I point that does because it makes their grouchiness sort of like less acceptable to me like grouchy waitress you just tell her to get stuffed and you don't tip her mm-hmm. a grouchy stewardess we all feel like like when a stewardess is grouchy do you ever feel like bad like you did something wrong you know can i get another pill we don't have extra pillows You're like i'm sorry and you just feel terrible for even asking um anyway he says if the bathroom water had anything to do with the plane sewer system it would come out of the tap that blue color the toilet water is obviously my question though is how in the world did you get a water bottle to fit into the tap in an airplane bathroom when they have those tiny sinks no i the deal is you sort of crease you sort of bend the water bottle if you have to go to that much work for something it probably isn't that worth it i get thirsty i i get parched what do you want from my life uh let's see um Maybe the oh, this is an email. We're getting lots of email about the Portland White Supremacist Music Festival, which I don't know anything about, by the way. That's not that's not a CBS radio event. All I know is that Tim teased it from the news hour. I just want to know what idiots are playing that. Well, and who? I mean, I imagine we'll get to discuss this lots more on the news hour. But I, I mean, it, how do I phrase this? Let's be very. Let me be very. As they say in Good Night and Good Luck, let's walk very carefully through these next few moments. Having lived in Washington. And on the Idaho border, and having spent um, a good chunk of time in a city called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a beautiful place. You've probably been to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, yes. Coeur d'Alene, which is just very, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's one of those places I don't want to, you know, it does kind of take your breath away. You see it and you go, oh, wow. Especially in Idaho, which is just a goddamn wasteland. Idaho, which is just a totally useless place. I mean, just an unbelievably useless state. But Coeur d'Alene is the exception that proves that rule. It is sort of the eye of the hurricane there. Um Anyway, so but having spent a lot of time in Coeur d'Alene, well, Coeur d'Alene, even though it's not the capital of Idaho, Coeur d'Alene is sort of the tourist uh, capital of Idaho, and it's where a lot of people congregate. And so in Idaho, that's where uh, Idaho Nazis, who are not quite as bad as Illinois Nazis, but almost, that is where Nazis in Idaho always hold their their stupid marches. They're always going to go march in Coeur d'Alene, and they, they do it so that it, because that's where they're going to get the maximum media exposure because there's a lot of media in Coeur d'Alene because it's on the border of Spokane, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So... Having lived in Washington for a long time, you occasionally we would just be in Coeur d'Alene hanging out, or we would have station events some there sometimes, or be like we'd do a cruise on Lake Coeur d'Alene or something. And about one out of every five times I was in Coeur d'Alene, it was either during or immediately preceding or following like some Nazi march that had just happened. And, of course, the hilarious and stupid thing about it is there's always like X number of Idaho Nazis marching in it, and then there's like three guys watching. That's what it is. It all It's just... Can I just tell you what it is? It's a whole... It, it, I can't do the hand gesture. It doesn't really have the same effect on the radio. It's just a big wank is what it is. Yeah. It's just a, it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of big parade-oriented uh, figurative masturbation. That's what that is. It's a whole lot of guys who got like, you know, they got nothing. I can't. I can't use any of the phrase. I can't use any of my uh, any of my stock uh, small male genital jokes here. Uh, it's just a whole lot of guys who got 
they're like a Ken doll. Just a whole lot of nothing there between their legs. And so it all comes out as, I'm going to go march in a Nazi parade somewhere. So it's a bunch of guys who all just have, like, so little going on uh, in that area of their body that they got to go walk through Coeur d'Alene wearing a brown shirt. So it's them and all of their weird, you know, fashionista Nazi buddies marching down the street. And then there's, like, two guys on the street, one of whom is a wino and just sort of hangs out there all the time anyway, watching them. They are literally marching for no one. Zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, so... Uh, and it's just so hard to take them seriously because they're just such morons. I mean, you... It's they're they're sort of like the um, Ahmadinejad, uh, the guy from Iran. I mean, it's just I mean, I guess I should be infuriated by it, but it's like they're just they're just such useless dicks. I mean, there's just no like I can't even summon up outrage at it because they're just such retards. Oh, uh, let's see here. Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Penelope. Hello. What's up? Hey, you want to hear a uh, Penelope pissed off the uh, stewardess story? More than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Okay, heading out from PDX to the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, and uh, my first real trip away from home, so to speak. So I was just drunk on giddiness and um, maybe a few cocktails before boarding. Mm -hmm. And uh, so get on, get situated. I start ordering champagne, and by glass number three, I accidentally... Tipped over a whole tray that the stewardess was holding. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> and, excellent. Yeah, it was fabulous. She was pissed and really old anyway, and yeah. uh, so it fell all over um, another passenger. Fantastic. So you're the person who wants to always end up sitting next to me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was highly entertaining. She was pissed off at me the rest of the flight. And here's another the thing. 2,000 miles, and she was pissed With the whole stewardesses. Time. With stewardesses, you can tell, though, it's like with stewardesses. Stewardesses are like strippers. <laughs> that sort of the longer they're in the profession and the older they get, they get busted down from one airline to another, to another, to another, to eventually, as I said, they are the one giving me a small packet of stale peanuts on my $4 flight from here to Reno. You know what I mean? So, it's, where's, where's the fairness? Well, well hey, thanks. I'm well done. Thank you. That's Penelope. Uh, hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, I'm calling about plumbing. Of course you are. Of course I am. Okay. So, yeah, that, that plastic tubing there, they've got in the houses now. It's, yes. uh, it's referred to as Worsbo. And is that uh, is that a joke? Is that a, an acronym? No, I, I swear that's well, I don't know if it's an acronym, but I know that that's what that's what the contractors are calling it. Worsbo. Worsbo. That's what they call it, uh-huh. and uh, it's a really really great product because it it goes on little uh, manifolds or little fittings, and it'll expand. You know, you expand it to put it on the fitting, and then it remembers what its size is supposed to be so like it won't it shouldn't crack and you can bend it see that's kind of creepy because that's that's like one step thing. away that's one step away from that the plastic having its own sentient intelligence yeah you know if the plastic i don't want plastic in my house that remembers anything it's if it's all just the, the same to you i'll take the normal dumb kind of plastic that doesn't know who i am it's kind of the t1000 of plumbing that's exactly what i'm going to say that's the cyberdyne uh plastic that they try to take off the exactly. sink but it fights back and nukes los angeles when years ago because it froze, uh-huh. they replaced it all with Worsbo. Yeah, I don't want that. Just replace it with, uh, I don't know, just use, use wood. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, one more here, and then we'll, uh, we'll take a break, come back with uh, Tim Riley at the Noon News Hour. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Ted here. How y'all doing? Hey, what's up? Uh, coming across the Morrison Bridge westbound, there's a sign, and it says if you blow .08, you'll be pulled over. 
but there's a telephone pole right in front of the 08. And as you're coming over the bridge, it looks like I know. Something okay, else. I know exactly I know what you're exactly talking about. Really what you're weird. Talking about. Okay. I see it. I Let's, think it says don't that. be careful. Though. Okay, don't let me I just know. I, I will explain it because I okay. I have so, thought. I that. thought I was the only one. No, me too. <laughs> I wanted to bring it up, but I'm like, okay. it makes no sense. Why does it look like That's, that? Because it doesn't look like I'm that. I'm so glad you said this, sir. Yes, it because, does. Yes, it does. Hold but on. Okay, let's all stop and let me explain what we're talking about here. It's so funny you say this. And the great thing is, as you were describing it, Sarah and I, who have not previously discussed this issue, looked at each other with a whole, <gasps> the dawn of recognition. Because she thought it, I thought it, you thought it. Apparently, I'm guessing hundreds of people listening to us right now have thought it, but, but thought they were the only one. I can't build, think I'm a pervert. Okay, so here's the thing. As you're going across the Morrison Bridge, again, westbound, there is on the left a sign that says, yeah, if you blow a .08, uh, blow .08, go to jail, or whatever the hell it is. Um, but the blow .08, how do I describe this? The, the, the words, the letters, B-L-O-W .08, when you come across, they blend together at a distance so that it looks like they are referring to the Lewinsky. That's what it looks like. It looks like... That word. I never told anybody because I thought I was crazy. I thought you're not crazy. I thought that it would make me, you know, and I was afraid they'd bring it up and you go, "You're a pervert." You see that everywhere. And I believe, well, I'm sorry. So I never mentioned it, but you're exactly because right. You look at it again as soon as you get closer and you don't see it. Yeah. And you're like, wait, my mind's playing. I see it ten times a day. Every time I think it says that, then of course you get around it. And next thing you know, guess what? It doesn't say that. And see, and you know, Sarah doesn't appreciate the fact that that really is. And this, let's just be honest, it's just doubly distracting if you're a guy, because then it takes you a while to shake that thought out of your head. And it just, it's, you know, it's all becomes very difficult. Because okay. you want to read what you think it says that, and then you immediately want to read what's underneath it <laughs> totally. to see what else it says. Well, no, you're like, what? well, wait, hold on. Where can I get one? Oh, damn it. Where's do what store is that? You know, you're trying to figure out. Um, yeah, Scotty's, Scotty's demanding. You'll find it at Freddy's. It's, <laughs> thank you. Bye now. Okay, right. bye. It's uh, westbound on the Morrison Bridge. Look to your left. But please observe good safety and driving. Send me a picture of it if you can. Yeah, if you, say, if you take a picture and send it in, we'll post it. Um... Observe good driving habits while you do this. But look on your left and the blow point oh eight. Um point oh eight looks like something else. They've done a bad job of putting that up there and making it clear. That's all I'm saying. Um it, it it's just it really is weird. Now Sarah is too young to remember this. But Tim may remember this. There was a book that came out years ago in the seventies. I'm almost too young to remember this, but my mom had it around the house. There was a book that came out in the 70s called the uh, the was it the was it the, the this sounds disgusting, but was it like the the clamshell orgy or something clam dip orgy? You know what I'm talking about? No. It was a book about so-called subliminal advertising, and it was all those urban legends. Like if you look at the Camel cigarette cover, there's a man with a. Mm. A prominent, um, an excited member. Lion. Yeah, and yeah, and it, or camel or whatever it was. Yeah, there's and the camel is a phallus and so forth. There was, I think it's called the clam, the clam, something orgy, and it was clam plate orgy. That's what it was, and it was based on an, an advertisement that was for like seafood or something. But supposedly, if you looked at it, there were like the subliminal uh, figures of like a, of, a, of a sexual orgy going on. See, Scotty knows ice cubes and drink ads. And again, there was, and I, I forget who it was, but it was for like whatever Campari or something. And if you look, supposedly the ice cubes had the subliminal drawings of sexual activities happening in them, um, you know, which is, you know, which is all crap. Uh, but uh, but they, they, but in the 70s, 
sort of the forerunner of today's conspiracy theories. In the 70s, Scotty, I saw it, it's there. In the 70s, subliminal advertising was the big bugaboo. Everybody was terrified of that. Everybody thought subliminal advertising is going to... It's. In fact, I do believe, actually, there was an attempt... It may have actually happened, but I do believe there was an attempt to make it against the law to insert subliminal advertising, uh, in, in subliminal images into advertising. I don't know if that ever happened. I was a move to do that. But people were so terrified that there were sexual images being hidden in advertisements. And my mom was convinced that it happened. She had this book, The Clam Plate Orgy, that described, described how it was happening. So that's a little bit of what I think of when I, when I think about that billboard. That does not say blow, <clears throat> it says blow .08. It really is fascinating. So I'm glad that I'm not the only one we, that we've all seen it and thought that, that mm-hmm. same thing. So there you go. That's, Either we're just, or maybe we're the only three people in the world and we're all perverted. Well, that's fine. Whatever. As long as I'm not alone, doesn't matter to me. Uh, all right, take a break. We come back. Tim Riley. We didn't get the Halo 3 giveaway done here, but we'll do it uh, soon. We won't wait till the last. Uh, we won't, won't till the last hour. We'll uh, do it in the next hour or so. Uh, Halo 3 giveaway today. Glorious bastard of the week. Later on, Jim Roop, and up next, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You stay right there. Uh, before we do anything else, let's get this call about, I think it's a subliminal call. Hello, sir. Yeah, hey, Rick. Hi. Glad, glad to have you guys back. Thank you, sir. We missed you all, but we loved Scotty, and uh, and uh, the news was, as always, wonderful. Well, of course. It goes without saying. Hey, uh, so the subliminal, I don't know if you remember this, there was a big hubbub um, about uh, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit. Right, about the uh, Jessica Rabbit the leg shot, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard about that when uh, my family were actually Christians and they got to focus on the family uh, little newsletter and they always had who, who are we boycotting and why. Yeah, there's uh, if you watch who, although you can't see it anymore because they've gone back and taken it out, but if you, uh, it, there's probably snaps of it on the Internet, as they say. If you go uh, uh, if you go online and look, you'll be able to see it in the early, in the first editions Basically everything until DVD. If you watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit on the old laser disc or on uh, VHS, uh, or if you saw it in the theater, there How is a Betamax? what's that? How about the Betamax? If you watch it anywhere before this version of it, there is now uh, it has now been altered. But there's a scene where Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit, who's and that's a whole weird thing anyway that I don't even want to get off onto. But that's a whole bizarre. There's a whole lot of weird going on in that movie, frankly. Um, I think it's the scene where they're swinging around on uh, the, the the crane or whatever because he's trying not to get into the dip that melts the tunes. Anyway, and she's wearing a skirt, and at one point her skirt blows up, and the uh, and you see you see the uh, the whole uh, the business, which is like and that's just a thing that animators used to do to amuse themselves, is just to insert little frames of weirdness or profanity or nudity or whatever into cartoons. The old Warner Brothers cartoons were full of that. It, single frames where, like, when the coyote would go, you know, like the Roadrunner would go bing and vanish, and there'd be the little dust cloud the Roadrunner leaves behind. But there'd be a single frame where the, where, the, where the dust cloud said something incredibly vile because they knew that nobody would ever see it, uh, and so it was just done as an inside joke. But, of course, now in the age of the digital, uh, you know, era, which is, I guess, redundant, uh, you, you do see that stuff. So Disney was uh, not happy. This is the same Disney, by the way, that discovered, I think it was in the small, 
Small World ride that there was there was a, like a painting on the inside of the Small World ride that had um, that had I think Donald Duck saluting Hitler. And then it was just there for like 20 years, and no one ever noticed it until somebody put a picture on the net like, hey, look at this picture of Hitler on It's a Small World. And they finally had to go paint it over. Good times at the Ministry of Truth. Here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Yes, it's one of the nation's largest white supremacy groups, and it's coming to Portland soon. This is the Hammer Skin Nation. Hammer? Mm-hmm. They're holding the annual Hammerfest Music Festival <laughs> October 5th through the 7th. Uh-huh. Yeah. This event comes in conjunction with the Hammer Skin Nation's 20th anniversary. Scotty wants to know if it's a play. Yes, Scotty, it's, yes, it's a play. So nobody's saying where it is, but apparently the cops know. But they're not revealing details of what they're going to do about it. The police bureau is focusing to make sure no laws are broken. And the hammer skin members uh, behave themselves. Like really, that. honestly, who could even take that seriously? Right. I mean, how could you? How Here, could you? Here's a picture of the hammer skin nation. <laughs> Just a big ass fat guy. That's wonderful. No, they're they're all ugly fat people. That's who who, who really shouldn't be breeding. Really, and you know those guys are all named Tiny too. Mm-hmm. They all. Uh, they, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They, maybe they call themselves like, uh, you know, my name, my name is Viking Bloodsword. You know, whatever. Six six six. So they're so brave uh-huh. that their uh, their faces are covered in all these pictures. I was just going to say that's the mark of a and, real man. And they're man. way out in the country where nobody could possibly find them. That's the mark of a real man. Make sure to hide your face from the camera and be way out in the country somewhere where nobody could find you. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that is. Well, I'm not going to go on and on about it, except to say they we... were they were formed in 1980 in Dallas, Texas. Surprise. <laughs> oh, can I tell you this? Just yes. as a side note, I am not trying to imply that Texas is the home of all things Nazi-like, but I, I forgot to get a photo of this, and I really, really wanted to, and then we tried to get... We were walking by it, we didn't get a photo, and then we drove by it on the top of a double-decker bus and didn't get a chance to get a photo then either, but I wanted to get a photo of this thing in London, because I knew that you all and our good friend Todd the Corpse I knew would appreciate this. This is the sort of thing that you think only exists in Simpsons cartoons, but there was a restaurant in the middle of London um, called, it was like Kensington, I think, was called um, the Texas, God, what was it, the Texas Embassy. And it's a huge Texas-themed, like, you know, like Southwestern cuisine-style restaurant. And there's just a massive Texas flag hanging in front of it and like a cowboy hat. And, I mean, you think that that only exists in episodes of The Simpsons, where they where they go to France, and Homer's like, let's go to an American restaurant in France. And, you know, the French guy comes up with, like, spurs and, like, chaps, and, why, hello, partner, would you like a steak, hombre, you know, or whatever. But this really was, it was like a, the, the biggest Texas flag you've ever seen, a massive cowboy hat, and then inside, embarrassingly enough, lots of big fake cacti, I didn't get a chance to see if the waiters had to dress like cowboys, but I get the feeling they did. It was right there in the middle of London. It was so, and then we saw another Texas thing later. It is, Sarah had, had said, she's like, you know, when you, when you tour, you'll get, it'll open your eyes to a lot of things. And I think in some ways it didn't, in some ways it did, and then it, it did in ways that I hadn't expected. Like, it did give me a sort of interesting prism through which to view America, because Lara and I later ducked into a Woolworth, and by the way, who even knew that Woolworths still existed? They exist all over London, apparently. The Woolworths is huge there, uh, not unlike the Dandy Warhols. So we go, we go inside, and they were selling um, Halloween costumes already, and one of the Halloween costumes they were selling was a cowboy costume, and the cowboy costume consists of 
um, like a bad paper cowboy hat, and then a huge plastic badge, and all the badge says is Texas in huge letters. That's it. So apparently Texas equals all things American uh, over there to large sections of the British public. All right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your Nazi story, Tim. No. So the Nazis are going to be here when? Uh, next weekend. Not oh. this coming month. Oh, I thought it was that. next. I thought it was like like a month from now. Next no. month is October. October. It's almost Halloween. Well, I... oh my God, my birthday's in ten days. Oh my God, I'm not going to buy you anything. Twelve days. You're totally what? buying me something. You're what? buying me something. Aren't you? Not what? Me? Stop! <laughs> You're such a jerk. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, they're coming. See okay. You. Well, we're not going to do anything for that. No. That's, that's we're not going to be on site for that event. No. Uh, what were we doing here? I don't remember. Oh, anyway. You've been waiting for this all day. The president's latest thing. I did have a story to go with this. Apparently, it was like, oh, here is this a bush watch? Yes, it is. All right, here's your bush watch for a Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. He's the president, resident, kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, that's my bush. Life is hard, that's the price of fame. When you're president, everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that there? It's my bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's a man! That's my bird. Well, offering a grammar lesson guaranteed to make any English teacher quit cringe, okay. the president... No, no, hold on. I have to stop. What is the best way? Because many people right now are hearing this for the first time. What is the best way to present this? Do you want to say it? Or do you think you should play the clip? How? How? What I do you should say? It then probably play. It. Okay. So you, I want you to. We can maximize the punch of this. Okay. So we'll, we'll we'll read it first, and then we'll play it. Offering a grammar lesson guaranteed to make any English teacher cringe. The president told a group of New York school kids yesterday, "Children's do learn." He made his latest grammatical slip up. At a made-for-TV event, Children's, where he urged Congress to reauthorize the No Child Left Behind Act, the centerpiece of his education policy. During his uh, first presidential campaign, the president had promised to be the education president and asked, Is our children learning? Well, yesterday he seemed to answer his own question with the same grammatical twist. So here's what he said yesterday. As yesterday's positive report card shows... Children's do learn. <laughs> Standards are high. Yeah. And results are measured. So that's not like um, just a lazy tongue, because for I have that's the first time I've heard that. By the way, I read the story, but that there that's the, the that's the first time I've heard the quote. Now, I thought maybe because you know we all you know, everybody mangles a word now and again. I thought maybe it was like he just sort of slurred somehow, or maybe he had a little bit of mush mouth going on, just sort oh. of. Like, <laughs> no, that's a. In his head, every one of those words was very carefully chosen out and put in order. That That is not where he meant to say one word and just sort of pronounced it sort of loosely and it came out with an extra sound on the end of it. He deliberately in his head put together the sentence, children's, what is it, children's do learn? Children's do learn. Let's hear that one more time. As yesterday's positive report card shows, children's do learn when standards are high and results are measured. <laughs> So they cleaned up his diction in the official transcript. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, no, of course. That's the, that's the other great thing is if you go to the White House transcript, it's been altered so it's correct. Of course. That's their – they don't even wait like Stalin style uh, until the administration is done to begin the whitewashing. There is there is some guy or guys who works – some or children. now I'm turning to George Bush. There's guys and children who works f for George's uh, – well, whatever. There's some guy who works there who is like 
Do you ever see a parade and there's a guy who follows the horse with a shovel and a, and a, and a you know, and, and a, like a dust mop and a pan and has to pick up the, the leavings? There's some guy who just has to follow George Bush around and just and just be erasing and editing the transcripts of everything George Bush says as he says, literally altering history in very nearly real time. Because he just says crap like that all... Let's hear that one more time. As yesterday's positive report card shows, children do learn when standards are high and results are measured. That actually hurts. Mm -hmm. It actually... And the fact that he said it at a school! I mean, it's like he... It's like... Maybe we're going to find out someday that this is all a big, clever, cunning bit of performance art. Mm -hmm. What if he's not really a, a politician? You know what I mean? What if, he, in other words, what if he's really George W. Bush? But what if he was really like an art student? And this is some weird Sanjay, not Gupta, not, not Sanjay Gupta. Is that Sanjay Gupta? Or is that, is that the doctor on CNN? Yes, that's the doctor on CNN. Sanjay, who's the guy on American Idol? Whatever. But you know the guy in American Idol that then tried to pass it off as like, oh no, it's performance art. What if this really is that? What if this is some long Andy Kaufman-esque eight-year bit of performance comedy, mm -hmm. just to you know to amuse a nation? You know, that could be. Uh, uh, as he addressed the U.N. Uh, General Assembly Tuesday, a marked-up draft of his speech briefly popped up on the U.N. website, complete with a phonetic pronunciation guide to guide him past troublesome names and countries and world leaders. Jesus. I mean, that, and the fact that he said it again in front of school children, it's like he designs it for maximum ironic punch. Mm -hmm. It really Let's see, what's the worst possible place I could pick to use this incorrect grammar? Mm, let's see. Uh, cemetery? No. Restaurant? No. Baby gap? No. School? Yes. And so he goes there and goes to the school and says one more time, Tim Riley. As yesterday's positive report card shows, children do learn <laughs> when standards are high <laughs> and results are measured. Oh, kill me. Kill the American me. people reelected him. Of course. They, uh, After being stuck with him in the oh, first time around. I know, and I know that this is a, bit, a thing I'm saying a lot this week, and after this week it'll probably be done. But um, So I'm prefacing a lot of statements this week still with, you know, that when I was in England. But it, it really is, it's, you know, I was there for like a good nine days, and so it's a lot, you know, to, 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 it, it takes me a while to sort of exhaust and process all this stuff. But it's, there was the only one, there was only one incident like this. Um, there was two incidents where George Bush came up in conversation. Um, one of them was sort of left-handed. I was talking to the woman on the plane, and she said she made the joke about, you know, are you going to lie and say you're from Canada? And I said, I said no. I said, you know, in all seriousness, we're, you know, we're going to say, well, you know, if anybody asks, not that people do, but I said, you know, we'll, we'll say we're from America, and we figure that we'll do our tiny part to, to raise the image of Americans, maybe if we can a little bit. So I'm not going to lie. And she actually said, without an ounce of guile in her, she said, I don't know anybody who dislikes Americans, which is clearly a lie. Yeah. Obviously, I think she was saying to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but this woman did strike up a conversation with Lara on the train, and she actually did say, it was sort of like when someone has like a terrible injury or some sort of unsightly disease, and you, you go, well, and you, you, you're curious, but you want to be sensitive, you know? So somebody's got like a third eye growing out of the side of their head, and you go, well, tell me now, have you had it? long i mean is it hereditary you know and you're trying to you're asking like you really just want to know out of morbid curiosity but you want to look like you're being sensitive to so go well now look is that a thing they can treat you know and you're trying to this woman leans over and she goes so i mean i really do and this is how she said it. she goes i understand with the first election there was chads and whatnot but to elect that man a second time I, how does that happen and then she just sort of let the and like what am i supposed to say uh, what I, 
I'm not even really sure now what I should have said. Just how does that happen? I just kind of well, I I don't know, and I was just filled with all this shame, and I wanted to go eat at the Texas Cantina. Here's Tim Riley. So let's get back and talk about the uh, Bill Spector trial. Oh, is that the end of our Bush watch? Oh, that is, yes. There's your Bush watch. For, uh... He's the president, resident, kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, that's my bird. Jesus. Somebody's uh, noted that children still learns just like he did last summer when he read three Shakespeare's. Oh, that was another great soundbite. I'll miss him someday. All right, here's Tim Riley. He's free to kill again. <laughs> Talking about Phil Spector. He shot me and it felt like a kiss. A member of the jury expressed regrets for the mistrial. There's deep regret that we were unable to reach a unanimous verdict. I don't think any jury has worked harder. A member of the jury explained the key factors in the panel's failure to reach such a verdict. Part of it was forensics and part of it was his hand being on the gun. If it was on the gun. I remember the jury explained why he thought Spector was guilty. You know, the thing is that she is dead. Something happened. We, they That's didn't top five the jury work. Hand. But in my opinion, the totality of, of the evidence, and you look beyond and around, what is the most plausible reason uh, that she could have died? Well, and also he's crazy, so yeah. that, that helps as well. Um, yeah, so I guess it was 10 to 2, and then everybody, I guess one of the jurors said today, yeah, that they were leaning toward the... You know, Tory conviction. And it was weird. I overheard some conversation in the plaid pantry about this today. Uh, it was over there, and the, the, the two guys were like walking by the newspapers, and the one guy says, "Well, that Phil Spector got off, you know," and, and his, you know, his other obvious good friend said, "Yep, he did." And they sort of paused for a second, and but they were really happy about it. The what the guy was and I was sort of listening. I sort of stopped what I was doing. I wanted to hear what they said. They were both really happy. They said, "Well, that whole thing just seemed fishy from the start," which. I mean, you know, maybe there's some secret other version of the trial that we didn't get to hear about. But really, the only thing that seems fishy is how he managed to go this long without shooting anybody in the face. Because it does seem like that's a thing he's inclined to do a lot, in my opinion. Right. Oh, somebody may shoot him. Well, that's, we don't, that would be wrong, though. Are there any Fred Goldman in was, that woman's life? I was just going to say. If only Lana Clarkson had some sort of a money-grubbing, angry parent to go around and get get annoyed about all this. Well, six-year-old Nia Simone Scott says she's still scared four years after Little Joe attacked her. He is a gorilla who escaped from a zoo in Boston. Yesterday, a jury awarded Nia and her family $175,000. The Neander family? Nia. Oh. Nia's family. Oh, okay. Yeah, she testified the 300-pound animal clawed her. Her family said it cost them thousands of dollars to treat her wounds and to get her counseling. Well, the family is pleased with the verdict. They say it won't stop Nia's nightmares. I still feel scared. Because I think the gorilla's going to come back after me. What a, what a terrible fear to go through your life with. I'm not trying to make, make light of it, but really, a Jesus. Fun. I mean, don't take your kids to the zoo. Were they at the zoo? Yeah. Yeah, keep your kids away from the gorilla cage. Just can't, would you please? Did, they, did the gorilla break out? Apparently so. Yeah, don't take your kids to where the... Let's go to where there are wild animals. There's you're a little King Kong scene. S separated from wild animals by only six inches of glass. What could go wrong? Jesus, I mean, most kids, you know, they grow up with the whole, well, there's the thing under the bed, or there's the, you know, the man in the closet, or, you know, there's the... Whatever, Mark Foley, whatever it is. That's a terrible phobia to go through your life with. And it's not so much a phobia as it is a thing that actually happened. That's a You don't ever get over the fact that a 300-pound gorilla grabbing you and punching you in the face. That's a... Name Little Joe. <laughs> yeah. Just like the bouncer's always named Tiny. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. It's Dave. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up? Uh, a couple things. Um, 
in England, uh, you were in England. Uh, the same thing happened to me in Dublin, uh, land of good beer. I ended up going to, I think it was called the River Place or the River Boat, and it was a completely like Old West, American Old West themed place with Dolly Parton-esque women and guys in spurs, and everything was like so over the top, and all you could drink was Budweiser. It was just really... <laughs> see, that's really great in a weird way. I yeah. mean, it is interesting to see your own culture sort of filtered through something else. You know, I mean, the uh, Asian culture does that a lot, too. The Japanese culture, where they it will take things that are American, and then they just put it all in a blender... Uh, and they just grind it up, and then they spit it back as something sort of vaguely wrecked. Like Japanese culture, I think, is very much a funhouse mirror version of our own. But, mm-hmm. but that thing, yeah, the, that that, and then you can, and all, you know, everybody has arm garters, and all you can drink is bud, and it's just shag carpeting everywhere you go. I mean, it does simultaneously make you really amused by and embarrassed by your culture. Exactly. Hey, uh, one other thing, the Budweiser was uh, double the strength, though, so I'll give them that. Really. Yeah, it's weird. It's like six uh, percent, I think. All right then, excellent. Thank you, sir. Hey, hey uh, Rick, one other thing. Yeah. Um, because that bushwash was probably the best thing I've heard in forever, it made me uh, reminded me of the late great Molly Ivins. Born with a uh, silver foot in his mouth. Uh, Molly Ivins, I miss her. She was great. Excellent. Thank you. There you go. Uh, Rick, that Texas restaurant in England sounds fantastic. Although I guess it's similar to the way ugly Americans make a Mexican restaurant and force all the poor workers to wear sombreros and authentic Mexican attire, like the ones in Kennewick. That really is true. I do feel I, those are so bad. Sometimes you get like a really low rent Mexican restaurant that clearly is just run by some big white corporate monolith, and they'll put every and it, and you know and they will staff it entirely with Mexican workers. And a lot of times you can tell the Mexican workers born here, not from Mexico, English first language, but they all have to put on some accent and go, "Hello, señor, welcome." Welcome to La Taco, or, you know, whatever, whatever. La, la, la Casa de Taco. Would you, uh, thank you, amigo. And you can tell they just hate you because everywhere you go, somebody's playing Guantanamera, you know. <laughs> like, everything. Please, like, please pose with me next to the donkey statue and give me the cactus tree. Totally. And you just, it's all, like, every aspect of Latin culture being shoved into one restaurant by some idiot white man. And then just forcing everybody. By the way, can you stand in front of this, yeah, can you stand in front of this paper mache cactus? It's like when we went to, um, uh, some friends and I went to Mexico at one point, and my friend Gina, who is salt of the earth, good girl, kind of a rube, um, worked at a cabinet-making factory, um, and, uh, not, not really. I know most... someone who worked at a door factory once. Really? really? It doesn't seem like you need a factory to make a door. Um, yeah, Gina worked at a cabinet-making factory and was very uh, a very earthy, blue-collar kind of girl. Mm-hmm. But I remember us all sitting in a restaurant in Mexico, and they have the guys. I don't know if they're called, um, not gondoliers, what the thing, you know, but, the, the, you know, whatever. The guys who sort of roam through the restaurant playing music for you. And, they, you know, they're sort of walking by our table. They're playing whatever, some, you know, some sort of Mexican-style folk music, very pretty. And Gina does that. She literally, first of all, she literally tugs on his, like, shirt tail to get his attention. Doesn't say, like, hello, sir, you know, senor. She, gra- like, literally grabs the back of his coat and yanks it to get his attention. And then she gives him a bucket. She's like, can you play La Bamba? And, li- <laughs> like, with no, and not, like, as a gag, not to be wacky. Like, that was her thing, is she wanted the very highly skilled Mexican musician who was strolling through the very upscale restaurant to play La Bamba for her. Because that was going to complete the entire Mexican experience. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, how quickly <laughs> things change. Well, now the Democrats aren't making promises, after all, to pull the troops out. Oh. As a matter of fact, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, John Edwards, 
They will not make a commitment. And this comes from the latest Democratic debate, which was held last night. It is very difficult to know what we're going to be inheriting. You know, we do not know, walking into the White House in January 2009, what we're going to find. What is the state of planning for withdrawal? So it doesn't matter who you elect. The no. plans have been made. Nothing. And the military does whatever it feels. I believe it's called the military-industrial complex. Yeah, well, did you see that story? And this is not the, as we are sometimes prompted to remind people, because the radio, because the AM dial especially is filled with nutcases. Yes, we know. Scream about a whole lot of, and they burned the ballots. You know, just a bunch of those. You know, the real election was held in a warehouse in Scranton. Um, this, this actual, do you see the transcript between Bush and God? Who was it? Who was the other head of state? It just came out uh, this morning that Saddam had actually offered to, to resign and leave yeah. for like a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Saddam's like, look, if you give me a billion dollars, I'll just, I'll go, I'll leave, I'll get out, I'll never come back to Iraq. And Bush is like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna do that. So. Because Lord knows it wouldn't cost a billion dollars or more, like yeah. a day, to go into a Iraq. minute. Yeah, like, so Saddam, it, I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, what's done is done, I suppose. But, I mean, but, yeah, there's a transcript with George Bush talking to this guy. And Bush actually said that Bush was like, yeah, Saddam offered to leave if we gave him some money. But, no, why would we want to do that? Let's just invade instead. That's more fun. People will love us there. Yeah. Things will be back to normal in no time. They're throwing flowers. Did you watch the debate? No. No, neither did I. I saw it on TV and I felt like, well, no, no, gotta get off this. You know, I just could feel, I could feel actual, uh, could feel actual cellular death happening in my head. It was just so, it's just so pointless. And this is exactly what you're talking about. It's like that they all doesn't matter who you like. No, I mean, it is really, it is, it is. It's all figured out. It's just electoral masturbation is all that is. You're just amusing yourself by putting the ballot into the box there. Pray for the economy with election spots or radio and TV. That's that's, about it. No, that's, that is true. We keep that economy going. Keep political advertising is the one good thing about this uh, The more we have, the longer we're going to be here. <laughs> that really is true. Really, so I'm all for dirty campaigning, mudslinging, attack ads, personal attacks, scorched earth political wars. Doesn't yeah. matter, because it all ends up as political advertising on this radio station, which keeps us on, on the air and employed. So go ahead. I don't accuse each other of having bastard children. I don't care. Yes. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. Whoever you vote for, it's, it, the fact that they all are simultaneously trying to run on this, and we'll end the war and reverse all of George Bush's, yet while well, last night they just came out and said... Yeah. Yeah, well, well, we're not we're really not sure. We don't really know what's going on there. So. We, we don't really want to end the war in Iraq because politicians never want to end a war. They no. never want to end a war anywhere. No. So, you know. Uh, but then we have this uh, Senator Mike Gravel talk about different things. He supports lowering the legal uh, drinking age. I think we should lower it to anybody that can go fight and die for this country should be able to drink. Okay. You're going to need to. God bless him. He is a guy who has really got his finger on something there because remember the last soundbite from him that got played to death was him going, I think marijuana should be legal. Yeah. So we have him saying marijuana should be legal, and now he wants more people to be able to drink. That's a guy that America could get behind, I think. Mm -hmm. that's, a, uh, that's a guy we can all agree on. Well, what's the price of human life? That question was almost answered on the popular auction site eBay after an Illinois woman placed her children up for sale. Mm -hmm. A St. Louis, uh, Missouri woman wanted the winning bidder to spend a few days with the kids so she could get away. A parents are outraged that a mother would give her children away to a virtual stranger. Virtual stranger. With the things that are going on in the world today, uh, the happenings and whatnot. The possibility of a pedophile picking up on this bid. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at the idea of pedophiles picking up the children, but just that, who is this guy they're talking to, first of all? Who, 
Did they just really go out on the street and literally pick a guy coming out of a taco shop somewhere and just stick a microphone? In his... Who is this man? It says undated. An undated person. So, so, <laughs> so this story could be from 10 years ago. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's, it's very shocking. I'd be very concerned about the children because she's not going to know who's going to take them, you know, what they could do to them. And she wants peace and quiet and her kids are unruly. Well, that's a parent's job to take care of their kids and teach them right from wrong. This is some real groundbreaking thinking they're getting out there. You know, this is the man on the street thing. That's totally what this is. Mm -hmm. Can you play that first guy again? So this is in response to a woman who's trying to sell her children on eBay. Mm -hmm. And with the things that are going on in the world today, uh, today, what was the possibility of a pedophile picking up on this bid? I like the idea. I like that in this guy's head. As yesterday's positive report card shows, <laughs> children's do learn. Thank you. I like that in that guy's head, though. The only issue is really that they might be bought by the wrong kind of person. That that's it. It's, it There's no money-back guarantee. Really, that that's it. It's not really the selling of the children on eBay. It's really just that you're not really sure what quality of buyer. The buyer may only have buyer one. Buyer beware. The caveat after the buyer. The buyer may only have, uh, the buyer may only have one Two and star. and a half stars. I was just going to say, they're really low-rated. They uh, Their feedback is very, very negative. So, all right. So today's Children arrive damaged. Children are a mailing tube that's bent in half. Be like that Glengarry Glen Ross poster I got. No returns. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yes. And the little, the little, the little picture of the child is all blurry. You can't quite, you can't enlarge it. Uh, you know, can I? Let's talk about eBay or eBay for a second. Yes. As uh, Don Geron about to say, I um. I, I don't really – I went through a phase like I think a lot of people do when I first discovered eBay where I just bought stuff constantly. Um, and then I kind of fell away from it, and uh, and I haven't actually gone to eBay looking for anything to buy for a long, long time. Uh, but about a month ago, I was, on, I was on eBay, and I remember why I kind of quit going there because, man, I just spent – like two hours on eBay, just looking at stuff and just weird, random. I was looking for you. I was looking for the most morbid thing. I was looking for. Um, I was seeing if I could buy one of those Zodiac watches that the guy wears in the movie Zodiac. Uh, you know where they're interviewing what's his name, uh, Lee, blah blah blah, whoever that guy, the most likely suspect is. And um, you know the cop looks over and he's wearing that Zodiac watch. And you know, and of course on eBay, it, it, they do sell it. They do sell that that exact year that make and model and not a replica the real deal of that zodiac watch and of course like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars there's no way but i forgot just how much of your life you can lose in ebay just sitting there just you and it's like so much else on the internet where you have a starting point of like a and at an ending point of q and you have no idea how you got from a to q you don't even remember what you were initially searching for so and i the other thing i will do with ebay is i'll go there to try to obtain a valuation on something that i do own already Trying to see like how much something I have is is worth by going to look it up on eBay, which is then kind of weird. Then it's so anyway, but it's a whole so blah blah blah. Don't don't sell your children on eBay. That would be wrong. All right, let's do one more and then we'll break. Well, uh, Portland's mayor, the city council, and the chief of police are going to do away with exclusion zones. These are where you can't sell drugs or be a prostitute. Uh, the exclusion zones include the areas of 82nd Avenue, <laughs> Northeast Sandy, and pockets in the uh, Northwest area. Inside these zones, uh, police could prohibit persons convicted of dragon prostitution from entering. Who's sitting there? I'm sitting so these people coming I'm into these neighborhoods. So, I'm so confused. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't. So, here, an oh. exclusion zone is what? Well, you may not be a prostitute or a drug seller. Now, where? 80 seconds is one. I have a picture here. But, I mean, as opposed to where? A woman admits unapologetically that she is a prostitute. What kind of business can she possibly do? <laughs> Who would her clients be? She's in exactly the same pose as the Nazis. Just not totally big, fat ass back to the camera. So you have a choice of her or burritos or tacos, apparently, at this location. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of this self-described prostitute. This is, I think maybe it's casual Friday. It might be, yes. <laughs> Ew. She might be Miss 82nd Avenue. Oh, we know. She's the top shelf right there. Yeah, she is. She's the gold schlager of, so uh, it's, of 82nd it's Avenue. burrito, taco, or me. The choice is on 82nd Avenue. <laughs> She's literally walking by a giant burrito sign. Yes, yeah, she, she is. In and, like, and the sign says, customer parking only. Really? What do you suppose they mean by that? That's, uh, of course, and she's wearing like a hoodie sweatshirt, the cuffed jeans, bad, I mean, just the bad, oh, that's just all kinds well, of Well, this must stuff. be her area because she's the only one there. She owns that street, Tim. She owns that street. Yeah, she's, the, she's the queen of that strip. So... Anyway, so, you're, so an exclusion zone is where you're not allowed to sell drugs. Or be a prostitute. I thought that you weren't allowed to do those things in most places. Well, specifically 82nd Avenue. Uh-huh. How's that working and, out? And Sandy Boulevard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So I guess if you're selling drugs on 82nd Avenue right now, stop it. Stop it now. And stop your whoring around. It's not you're, it's wrong and bad. Well, they say the uh, the drug program is showing promise, and people are getting off drugs. <laughs> well, they're spending all their money on whores. I know. I mean, you can't you can't do both. All right, we uh, I think we have to uh, to take a break here. It's five oh three. If you're on hold, hang on. Scotty will uh, Scotty get your calls. We have a youth and revolt question coming up. Uh, a lot of those coming. I think it, you, it's interesting. You can sort of see how you know. We mention the book, and then as the weeks go by, you can see when people are finishing it, because we're kind of getting questions about it. We have a Youth and Revolt question. More of your phone calls around the corner. Tim Riley with the news, Jim Roop, and so forth. These stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up in a little while, we'll give away a copy of Halo 3. Uh, later on, we'll also give away a copy of Halo 3 to the Glorious Bastard of the Week. That's two separate giveaways today. Oh, we want to give a uh, shout-out to our good friend Storm Large. That was on the cover of the Willamette Week uh, as of, what, yesterday? Is that when it came out? Yes. Wednesday, yeah. So, um, and a great article about her, too. Yeah, it's actually a confluence of a lot of things. So our good friend Byron Beck uh, wrote this big, this huge piece about Storm. Uh, Storm goes large. Uh, it's a cover with really amazing art. Uh, is this art? Now, is this like modeled on Cabaret It has art to be. Because that, well, that looks like the character from Cabaret, but it really does look like Storm as well. And it looks like, but it's like this weird sort of early 20th century. Like you see like it a lot of... It looks very French. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a lot of it those... It looks like the, uh, the Chef Noir. That that thing with the black cat on the poster. Oh yeah, okay, I know that. Yeah. Oh, I have that in my kitchen. I have that in my dining room. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the like you'll see the vintage like you go to like see old posters and old you know whatever it has yeah it has this that same style so excellent so it's it's really good so uh, pick this up. Uh, Storm goes large this week's uh, edition of the Willamette Week. Uh, that article by Byron Beck. Well done, Storm. All right, uh, and that I guess Cabaret is playing now. I guess it opened on Tuesday. Oh. So I mean because it, it, it was a preview night. Oh yeah. And then it opened. 
on Tuesday, and I think it runs through early uh, November, so uh, do try to catch that. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Sarah Jessica Parker is showing up on the set of Sex in the City as a brunette. Some other paparazzi taking pictures of her, I too. saw that, and also in one of the scenes, it looked like Charlotte had a pregnancy stomach on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a conversation you guys are having between yourself. I'm people care. Over here putting cream in my coffee. You uh, know that you're going to see it. There are people who care about this. No, see, here's that's where you're really wrong about this. My love of pop culture goes only so far. You know, there's certain things that I watch out of a sense of obligation because I know that they are part, they are they are culturally relevant. It's enough for me to know that Sex and the City is a show that exists. That's sort of the female entourage, but you know that's it. That's that's as much as I need to know about that. It's sort of a female Kevin Smith film, and that's okay. fine. It doesn't matter. No, Joni and I had this long, I don't say a fight, but a long heated discussion about Sex in the City. And because I think we were, I think she started in on Kevin Smith, and I made, and we somehow ended up on me. I think we agreed at a sort of detente that Kevin Smith is typically, not always, but typically to guys as. Um, because she doesn't like swingers either. And I came down to what the feel is that those are largely guy movies. They're guy bonding movies. Not always, but largely. And uh, that a movie like Swingers or a Kevin Smith film, those are sort of male versions of Sex in the City, I think. And anyway, so I, it's, I mean, it's a, I'm sure it's a well-done program. It's, it's got a big following. I cannot pretend to you that I find it really interesting enough to sit through. And God knows to sit through like an hour and a half. I think it's There's interesting no what kind of storyline they're going to do, you know, after four years, after these women are, you know, getting into their 40s. And they're still trying to make them like these hot, sexy people in the city. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the Kim Cattrall's really the only hot one of the bunch anyway. I and mean, she's the, the are... oldest of the bunch. Yeah, she's still fine, though. She, she really... was so thin. She does look beautiful. Really? My Lord, I've never seen anyone that thin in my life. Her, her waist, literally from the side, it looked like she was about that big. Well, that's unfortunate. I prefer yeah. mannequin Kim Cattrall. She was very skeletal. <laughs> Here's uh, Tim Riley. And then there's this big article about pickup lines that don't work with the ladies anymore. Such as, what's your sign? Pardon me, I seem to have lost my phone number. May I borrow yours? You must be a broom because you're sweeping me off my feet. No one ever said any of these things. These are lines that no one but Scotty ever used. Do you have a license because you're driving me crazy? I got a thirst and baby, you look like my Gatorade. What? Are you lost? Because heaven's a long way from here. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to my prayers. Can I take your picture? I want Santa to know exactly what I want for Christmas. I think those are it. Oh, no, there are two more. Do you believe in love at first sight? Or shall I walk by again? Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? There's nothing wrong with a $2 horse. I'm sorry, I wish I had something better to... Uh, I wish I had some other better Tim clip to follow that up with. Um, okay, well, who is that according to? Uh, Rosalind Cummings, dash Yeats. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she writes for MSM Dating and Personal. Okay. You know, I don't know that, I mean, I guess I should do so. I feel like compelled by by dint of my job as an uh, essentially comic uh, talk show host that I should do a little riff on pickup lines, but I don't think those things ever really existed. I mean, I guess they do exist, but I don't think anybody ever really used those. Like, I don't, they had that dumb show with that mystery guy with a furry hat. On uh, VH1, telling guys how to pick up chicks. Oh, uh, Lara watches that. Uh, she watches that because that is, you know, that's based on a... Um... Why isn't there a question mark on his hat if he's named Mystery? Um, that I mean, was my question. Because that would make him the Riddler. Oh, that's true, too. That would make... Maybe that's what that would... <laughs> Riddle me this. Will you have sex with me in the back of a van? <laughs> 
which don't get me wrong, that would be amusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some superhero dating show. Um, no, that's, that show is based largely on a book called The Game by a guy named Neil Strauss. Who, well, I'm trying to figure out the occupation of his two wingmen. So I, they well, barely speak. The, the, Why are they there? And the guy is just such a weird character. He's just so big, and he's just so unbelievably unlikable. Yeah. He just comes off as just an ass, and not even in any sort of charmingly weird, endearing way. He just comes off as kind of a dick. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I walk into the room a lot, and Lars watching that show. But if you, if you like that, you really ought to read this book called The Game, which profiles that guy who runs these seminars, where for like three grand, he'll which show you... Which likes that hat? No, no, none. No, the answer to that is none. Zero. Um... I do believe in the movie Magnolia that Tom Cruise's character is also based on that guy. The guy who's the uh, the tame the blank guy. So, I think. We're, so where are all the babes that he's picked up on? Why, I, aren't, why don't they speak? <laughs> I don't. They speak when spoken to and not before, Tim. They speak They speak when they know what's good for them. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I'm kind of uh, sort of working my way through the book club list, and uh, I've notched off... Uh, uh, Into the Wild, I'm working on Under the Banner of Heaven, and I want to get uh, Youth in Revolt. Excellent. But I don't know, if is the whole title Youth in Revolt, or is it Youth in the Revolt, The Chronicles of Nick Twist? Yeah, or is be, that one of the sequels? Should we be making money on this somehow? Shouldn't we be... I mean, look, I love to spread the love of literature and all, but shouldn't we be uh, getting a little coin for this at some point? Or maybe books? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, the, the book is, the full title is Youth in Revolt, colon, The Chronicles of Nick Twisp. Okay, that is the one I'm looking for. By C.D. Payne. Avoid any of the sequels. There are sequels, and they all have sort of plays on words for the title, like Revolting Youth is the name of a sequel, and Young and Revolting, I think, is another one. Do not read the sequels. They're bad. Uh, but Youth in Revolt, The Chronicles of Nick Twisp, that's the one you want to be reading. Okay, hey, have you ever re- read a book called The Long Walk? By Stephen King? Uh, no. Uh, I read The Long Walk by Stephen King, but I don't know about, the, about another book with that. Uh, this is some Slovomir something guy. It's a book about uh, people that basically walked out of a uh, uh, concentration camp kind of thing oh. on the Russian front and walked like uh, a thousand miles to freedom. This Very is that, interesting. This is that same thing again where I was laughing and then he said concentration camp. And that sounded like I was laughing at concentration camps. <laughs> um, no, uh, I haven't. It does sound interesting. I like yeah. books that are sort of, you know, man against... You know, man against nature, man against himself, man against you know the the, the really overcoming. Much like that, it's a fantastic story. So excellent. Um, Thank you. Next yeah, have fun reading Youth and Revolt, sir. I will. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Moving books, Oprah style. That's what we're doing. All right, here's Tim Riley. Slovomir something or other. Slovomir. I don't know, some Ukrainian dick. All right. Uh, Clackamas County Sheriff's deputies have arrested a man after he tried to run over a police officer. Uh, this fellow's the name is uh, Gale. He tried to run over a police officer during well, a pursuit. No wonder he's all angry at life. His name is Ellie Gale. <laughs> Let's see. What can we name our child that will make him a manic sociopath? Ellie, Ellie Gale. He's 34. <laughs> this police chief started in Clackamas and ended in I-84 in Gresham, what? the garden sparks of the world. He tried to run away to familiar places. <laughs> I, I shall run to Gresham. <laughs> Take me to Gresham, driver. It's, it's the Paris of the East County. <laughs> well, the Gresham officer attempted to put spikes across I-84 to uh, stop Gale's car. That's when the man attempted... Oh, this part is it. The man attempted to run over the officer. The officer was not injured, and police eventually were able to arrest Gale and, on meth possession. And beat him, of course. Of course they did. Beat him savagely. 
So that'll teach him a good lesson. They don't need people like him in Gresham. <laughs> they need you in Clackamas. Sir, you're needed in Clackamas. Right away. <laughs> and Pick on up... 82nd, where you cannot sell drugs. Pick up the bat phone. You'll want it immediately. <laughs> so I'm just picturing the Riddler on a dating show. Well, I was the man is named Mystery. Yeah. And he's wearing a big hat, and it should have a question mark on it. No. But that would make him the Riddler. No. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, it bothered me throughout the run of the program that uh, there was no question mark on that hat. Who was the who played the Riddler? Frank Gorshin. Okay, done. Never mind. Why did I think it was um, Burgess th- Meredith? He was the Penguin. I thought no. I was thinking Joey Bishop was oh, on Batman at some point, but Meredith. that's not true. No. Okay. okay. Everybody else wanted to be on that show at one time. Yeah, Burgess Meredith was on there. Um, was Cesar Romero obviously yeah. famously played the Joker? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, fantastic. Well, a man, a man who was angry that he was not going to uh, sell a house is accused of using a power saw to turn the house into a convertible. Rodney Rogers apparently thought an acquaintance was going to build a house and sell it to him. And he was living in it while being completed. After the acquaintance refused to sign the sale, Rogers used a power saw to make a lateral cut through the walls and siding. He cut all the way through the house. Only one thing that was keeping the top half of the house in common was the bottom half. Uh, the owners do not uh, estimate the dollar value of the home. Uh, Rogers is free pending a court appearance. What would you charge him for? Selling a house in half? This happened uh, 50 miles east of Cincinnati. Okay, this is like the, like some variation on the uh, the obligatory, let's draw a white line down the middle of the house and split our living quarters plot that every sitcom had to do at least once in the 70s. Like Lucy and Desi did that. Did they really? I think so. Because, you know, the Bradys did that, and so did, um, God, who else did that? I think Three's Company did it, too. Uh, meanwhile, the head of the Catholic Church in Mozambique says he believes that the European-made condoms that are being distributed in his country were deliberately tainted with the AIDS-HIV virus, uh, virus to kill African people. I know of two countries in Europe that are making these condoms with viruses on purpose. They want to finish off the Africans as part of their program to colonize this. Another little gift from the Catholic Church here. The Catholic Church is followed by 17% of Mozambique's population. And it also opposes the use of condoms. And so we can colonize where? Africa. Okay. Mozambique. Is Mozambique really a place that screams out to be colonized? Is everybody clamoring to live there? Apparently so. doesn't really seem like that's a country on the move. Bob no. Dylan sang a song about Mozambique. Is, it, what, is, it, is Mozambique, is it a happening place? I don't think so. Nothing there but flies and sand. <laughs> so really, the idea that the church can't wait to colonize it I mean, it's like colonizing a vacant lot, I think. Pretty much. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's see. I ha- oh, here's something very important here. I almost forget about this very important story. Wait, is Police this is- in Dallas are looking for a pair of male suspects who allegedly robbed a female victim of $6 and then assaulted her with a cigarette. Shelley Lamont says she was attacked. Uh, she only had $6 on her, and the suspects got upset and burned her with cigarettes. I thought I was about to be raped. Uh, Shelly Lamont said the suspects assaulted her with a lit cigarette. Just went over and just right on my arm. The accident has made her afraid to walk outside after dark. You think that you can handle anything. It puts you in your place, so to speak, to know that anybody can do anything with you at any time. So they just, they were annoyed that she didn't have any cash. And they just so they burned her with a cigarette? Yes. Scotty has noted that she was the butt of their, uh, of their heist. Hmm. That's actually kind of funny, Scotty. That was that really passes for for genuine wit. Well done. He should be a co-host next time you go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. We'll have a. Oh, by the way, I got an email. I'm not gonna. It wasn't a snarky email. 
It was. It was no, it wasn't. But um, I said my email was sort of down yesterday, so I, there was a lot of email that got sent to me that I didn't get a chance. Your to... website was down for a while too. It was down. Uh, well, I was, you know, how do I put this? Because when there's any sort of outside uh, mystery project, as you know, Tim, that one is involved in, one is constrained. Uh, by discussing. CBS Radio's conflict of interest rules by discussing that mystery project. Yes. So one must find other means to alert the public to existence of any project like this. So mm. because of that, my website, I mean, it's entirely possible. I don't know that this is true. My website may have been auto-directing yesterday somewhere else. Uh, anyway, so as part of that, though, there was a glitch though with my servers, blah, blah, blah. I didn't get the... I didn't get some of my email until today. So we were talking about the thermostat in here and how yesterday it was, as my grandmother used to say, hotter than blazes. Um, what? It was very terrible. We were all sweating. It was just terrible. And we were talking about, well, there's only two people who, who would have done that. And, you know, and one of them works in the morning. And so we were, I, I don't know if we were sort of tacitly, if it sounded like we were implying that Christian Bowie had done this. But we must have used the phrase Christian Bowie because this is the email that I, I got yesterday. I don't, I don't think we named names. Mm-mm. Maybe. It, but I don't even thought about names. The email says, hey, Christian Bowie, it says that she's referring to herself with a third person. This is great. Christian Bowie turned it down this morning. <laughs> Christian Bowie can't stay awake in the heat. Kristen Bowie also talked to the person responsible for it being up to 90 degrees in there. <laughs> Kristen Bowie was told that 72 is chilly, so said person had turned it up. Just for your clarification, signed Kristen Bowie. Frowny face. So uh, that was not her. So we should say that they did. We never, I don't think we did. No, we never accused her of doing that. We blame everything on Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kristen, you should know that. That's uh, Regardless of whether he's guilty or not. <laughs> Really, I mean, he's just. We don't of... have enough weekend people anymore. <laughs> he's the go-to guy. Oh, excellent. Um, well, let's do more news, shall we? Hey, carnivores! The Center for Disease Control and Prevention says 21 people in eight states have fallen ill from eating hamburgers, possibly contaminated with E. coli bacteria. E. coli. Uh, these are from 330,000 pounds of frozen beef patties. Perhaps you had one. <laughs> Thanks. No deaths are reported so far in Oregon. Just excruciating, gut-churning stomach pains, followed by the liquefaction of your bowels. Uh, What I like about this is... (laughs) (laughs) You don't really hear that in a lot of E. coli stories. Here's what I love about this story. They try to make it more decorative by putting it next to flowers. (laughs) That's so great. It's a a brick of ground beef next to flowers or plants or greenery or something. And the brick of ground beef looks for all the world like a human brain. It does, doesn't it? That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Well, you people eat this stuff. I don't don't. know. It's true. No, look, I'm... Now, look, you know that I'm an omnivore. That could be a a cow's brains for all we know. I... Well, you know, the weird thing is, is it was weird sort of... uh, I had a, a cheeseburger... In mm. London at one point, and I'm halfway through it, and Laura goes, isn't this where all that mad cow came from? Yes, yeah, which is. I think is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, look, I eat meat, but I'm the first to admit that it is really weird. I mean, there are moments mm-hmm. when you're eating meat and you kind of think to yourself, this is a little bit gross. I mean, I don't get. I mean, it's not going to stop me from shoveling bacon into my head. Um, but there are moments when I'm eating meat and I think to myself, this is really kind of revolting. This whole thing, <laughs> you know. And I just, but then that that thought is washed away by the next mouthful of steak. Um, it, speaking of of meat, Tim, you'll appreciate this story. Uh, let's see. This is from Where's I four seventy one? Do we know where that is? What? It's a, it's a highway, I guess. I-471. Do no, we know no. where that is? And no. there's nothing in the story. 
I don't know if you have this problem, but sometimes you'll get stories and there's nothing, there is no identifying word or phrase on this webpage to tell you where the story took Cincinnati. place. Cincinnati. Okay. See, yeah, there's nothing here. Okay, so listen, listen to this story. This is from this morning. An overturned semi-truck filled with rotten hot dogs, sausages, and other rotting meats spilled its load on I-471 South this morning. The accident happened just south of the Southgate exit. Southbound lanes were shut down for hours as crews worked to clean up the mess. And they have a picture here of an entire, looks to be a four-lane highway, covered with rotted hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sat right next to some guy who smelled like a boiled hot dog this morning. It was gross. On uh, a max. All the way down. Why would he possibly? Let's think about what are the chain of events that could make a man smell like a boiled hot he dog? He smelled like a boiled hot dog. <laughs> you ever go buy any of the, you're at a stadium and you go buy one of those vats with oh, a, yeah. where they, uh, they cook these hot dogs? In boiling water? Yeah. That's a, it had the same smell. You smell like a boiling hot dog. I just, I, I wonder how that would have come to pass. I wonder if anyone might slip them an anonymous note at work. <laughs> you smell like, there's, there's no, there's no checkbox for that, though. Like, you can buy those, those cards on the internet, like, you know, but we, you know, there's those sites about subtlehint.com or whatever, mm-hmm. where they send the guy, like, a bar of soap with, like, a, you really need to bathe. There's really no preset card for, you smell like a boiled hot dog. Here's some Irish spring. Please to scrub yourself. I dozed off twice, and every time I woke up, he was still sitting there. Every time you woke up, he thought you were inside, a, I did. inside an Oscar Mayer factory. Uh, God, boiled hot dogs are revolting, too. They really are. Yeah, people eat them. I mean, I'm not a big hot dog enthusiast in general, but when I am, you you, you know, you fry those up or you cook them somehow. You know, like or you, use you, your hot diggity dog. I was just going to say, if Seamus sends you some fancy schmancy hot dogger thing. But it just my mom used to boil our hot dogs. It's just disgusting. You don't boil bacon. Anyway, uh, I think, sir, you smell like a boiled hot dog. <laughs> Look at this, though. Four lanes of highway covered with rotted hot dogs. Pass that to Sarah when oh, you're done, please. No, I want to keep appreciating my hot dogs. <laughs> no, you want to look at the photo, though. It's great. It's The photo really is wonderful. It's just because you don't ever think it's surreal. It's like a dolly painting or something. You don't ever think you'd see that. Like, why would there be four lanes of highway covered with hot dogs? It just doesn't make any sense. That is too bad. Yeah, look at that. Imagine the smell on a hot oh summer day. Oh, my God. Yeah. It looks like a scene from Iraq. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How are you doing, Rick? What's up? Bo- boiled hot dogs are a crime against nature They're first. Really but... Revolting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, now, you missed a good show last night. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Conversations with Michael Eisner. Uh, uh, no, I haven't. He had Gene Simmons on. He had the, I think it's the program uh, network, the guy that that put on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Survivor, all these other ones, a real young guy. They had the mayor of Los Angeles on. Gene Simmons was absolutely the best, though. He so, was is it, so is it like a, are they all in at once? Is it like a panel show, or is it? No, no. Each individually, he just sits across the table. They, they sit by a fireplace, and, and and basically he interviews them. The only thing I didn't like about it is he's really pushy, and he cuts them off a lot. You know, you know I mean, he'll ask fire questions off. Michael Eisner when, is? Yeah, and when they start to answer, he cuts them off real quick a lot of times, and you can tell they kind of get annoyed, so they just wait for him to stop yapping, and then they answer the question. <laughs> but it but it really was it really was good, and Gene Simmons, of course, brought a couple uh, Kiss Energy drinks, and he was pushing that, oh, pushing, God. you know, kept pushing uh, uh 
KISS uh, prophylactics, you know. It, it actually got Michael Eisner to open one of the uh, uh, energy drinks and take a taste of it and stuff. He, he's never-ending marketer, you know. Michael Eisner, I guess that must be the thing, that if you get fired from your job in America, eventually someone will give you a show talking to other people on television. Yeah, uh, well, it, it actually was a good show. I, I think you'd really enjoy it. Didn't you know, Sarah, I, I, Sarah told me this morning, wouldn't you say, this, Sarah, that you read in the interview with Gene Simmons today where he said he wasn't giving his kids any money when he died? Yep. Because he's that's, I that's want them exact- to have to work their way up just the way that I worked my way up in America. Yeah. That's exactly what he said last night. He 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 did say he said their rent and their food will be taken care of. He said, but they're going to have to get up and go to work just like I did. Here's an inter- here's a dumb question: Is the energy drink just called Kiss? Uh, you know, I I. I want to say it was just Kiss Energy Drink, but I, I can't I can't swear to it. I it's you know so great and dumb. Yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. That's Mike. Yeah. I mean, Gene Simmons is all that is good and wrong with this world at once. He is both God and the devil in that way. He really is. You know, he, the funny thing about that is, apart from the obvious, is that I mean, a Kiss casket. I mean, for the love of, but there's an interview that Gene Simmons did in the early '90s where he was talking about. How the big downfall of Kiss in the 70s was that they over-merchandised. And there's this interview he does where he's like, well, and the big problem with Kiss was in the late 70s, we just over-merchandised and we put our name on everything and the music took a back seat because we thought that we wanted to just milk the brand name for all it was worth. And And he's talking about this. And then he actually says in sort of a comedic exaggeration, he says, and there were Kiss, Kiss video games and dolls and board games and tampons. And the tampons is clearly, that's like the laugh line. That's the laugh word. Because you're supposed to laugh at the hilarious idea, you know, because that that's insane, right? You're supposed to laugh at the notion that he ever would sell something like a Kiss tampon. And yet he now sells things that go on your penis that say... He sells a thing that covers your penis. Does it that say says Kiss on the car? I don't know, but I mean, really, would you be surprised? No. Would you be surprised? Yeah, when the condom is unrolled and there's just Gene Simmons' tongue right on the front of it. I mean, it's. What could Gene Simmons sell you at this point that would, that would that would surprise you? I mean, if you're selling condoms and caskets, with where is it you can possibly go from? There's just nothing. Is that Kiss Caskets with a K? It is. It is Kiss Caskets with a K. Uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera was buried in one of those. I cannot. I can't. I cannot come up, and I'm not trying to like generate a wacky topic about it, but I, I can't come up with a product that, that it, you know, where my brain goes, no, Gene Simmons would never sell that. Well, of course Gene Simmons would sell it. Whatever it is, insert product, you know. He would kiss carpet. Anything doesn't matter. Anything. He, I mean, there'll be a kiss car at some point. You mark my words, you'll be able to buy a kiss car with a K. Uh, you just, uh, I'm telling you right now. And here's the weird thing is that someday when this civilization just is hit by a meteorite or the nuclear warhead or whatever, we're all dead, archaeologists are going to come, they're going to dig up this, the remains of this civilization 100,000 years, and they're going to think that KISS were our gods and that we worship them because their faces are on everything. They're going to think that KISS and Scott Thomason uh, were, you know, were, our, were our deities. Uh, let's see, we've got a school bus story, bacon or books. Well, let's get this book called Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you guys doing? What's up? Uh, I, I couldn't get in yesterday. I couldn't remain on hold, but you had Mr. Skin on. Yes, sir. Gr- great stuff. But just for the edification of your listeners, there's also another publication. It's called The Bare Facts. Oh, is uh, that like uh, where you can see chicks get nude, whatever? No, no. It's just basically text, and it just describes. You no, know, but I mean, it, but, yeah, it's a guide. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Craig Craig Hosada is the author. And uh, it's I think I, I think that one's actually been out for a while too. I think that's that's actually kind of an old school guide. You're very correct because this is a '98 issue, and I, I thought he upgraded every year, but I'm not sure of that. Entirely possible. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Right on. All right, there you go. That's uh, okay. Let's get a couple more of these, and then we will do the Halo Three giveaway here, and then we'll take a break. Uh, so I'm going to finish out this bank of calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Hey, you're talking about energy drinks. I don't know if you were aware of this or not, but uh, Steven Seagal has his own energy drink. I was aware of that actually. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen it. A What's it called? It's called. It's a low energy drink. I um yes my new energy drink. I can't remember what it's called now, but I saw I ran across it on the internet and I was <laughs> I amazed we, and I had to have one. I, it's lightning, I think it's called. Yeah, canned lightning. Canned lightning. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I just want to say real fast, uh, there is uh, someone in pop culture who has uh, boiled their bacon. I, I was wondering if if you knew. Of course, it's Lane Meyer's mother. Excellent. Um. Was it, oh God, what did she? Why did she boil? Because because uh, why did because she boil the, it? I can forget. Because Lane's dad didn't like all the oh the, the grease from fried bacon, so she you boiled. You don't it. like all the grease from when I fried bacon, so I boiled it. Yeah. You like raisins. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank, thank you. All right. There you go. Um, let's see. Uh, well, uh, all right, Scotty. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to I'm finish up these calls, and then we'll take caller five. Not now. Not now. We'll take caller five here in a few for Halo 3. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hey. I've got a fun fact for you that's been keeping me happy all week. <laughs> that doesn't sound at all weird. Go ahead. So I found out about a new elementary school outside Seattle. Their big thing is I guess they don't have any buses. They penciled it out, and the money they save on insurance and all that, they can actually just afford to build more schools. So this is the pilot school. The big thing is no buses. So they how, named it. Sorry, go ahead. How, okay, but what do they name it? Rosa Parks Elementary. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's bad. So now no one gets to ride the bus, Whitey. How do you exactly. like that, white man? Suck that. No bus for you. That's yeah. wonderful. That's great. So how do kids get to school? Um, they build enough schools that all the schools it serves, or all the houses it serves, are all within walking distance. That's pretty interesting. Well, yeah. fair enough. I mean, look, but the school buses are death traps anyway. I yeah, mean, exactly. When's the last time you ever rode a school bus that had a seatbelt? I mean, none of them ever have any seatbelts. You roll down a hill on that, you're dead. And now, the, the and best that... you get is that little pad right there where you smack your forehead if they hit the brakes. Totally. Or really it's just the football player behind you slamming your face into it. Yeah, probably. And the bus drivers are all toothless Nazis anyway. They're all insane. <laughs> So, you know it's true. All right, Rosa Parks, that's genius. Thank you. It is brilliant. Thank you. 232nd best show ever. Okay, thanks. No buses at Rosa Parks School. That really is great. All right, Scotty, we should um we should clear out these uh these calls here. Thank you, sir. All right, it's 503. Oh, I got to announce a cool thing before we do this. Yes? Oh, here on KCMD Portland. Uh, let's see. How did we get so far behind? We're not far behind. We're 17 minutes behind. We're not. Okay. We've taken a spot break in quite some time. No one notices. If you don't point it out, no one notices that. Um, hey, I, I, get, I, I do want to mention this, though, before we do the Halo 3 thing. Uh, don't forget, tonight is the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, and it, the, here's another reason you should care about this. Uh, so I will read you the copy that lets you know, that illuminates these points. Uh, AM 970, Scotty, right now, yeah, we'll take Caller 5 right now to play for Halo 3. Uh, Caller 5 at 503. Uh, 733-2970. 503-733-2970. We'll take caller 5 right now to play for a copy of Halo 3 from AM 970. 
970, we're going to be at Tigered Cinemas tonight. Where if you donate uh, three or more cans of boxes of non-perishable, uh, non-perishable food, you get free admission to a movie and a free small popcorn. It all goes to the Oregon Food Bank. Uh, so that is tonight. I think that's actually at all Regal Cinemas uh, tonight, but uh, we're going to be at the Tiger Cinemas. Uh, if you donate three or more cans of non-perishable food to the Oregon Food Bank, you get into the movie free and get yourself some popcorn as well. Good for all shows, but start attractions. But here's the other deal. We're going to be set up with the Rock Band Tour stage there tonight. So if you've been waiting to see that game, uh, Rock Band, which I don't think actually even comes out until November... If you've been waiting to see the new game Rock Band, uh, this is your chance, and we're going to be giving a copy of Rock Band, the game, away tonight as well. That's the Cannes Film Festival featuring a preview of the new game Rock Band. We're going to be giving away a co- uh, copy of the game Rock Band tonight as well. Tonight at Tigered Cinemas. Tigered Cinemas tonight. Uh, we will be out there giving away a copy of uh, the Rock Band game. You'll be able to see it, and uh, I think you'll be able to play it as well. And, of course, you bring three cans or more of non-perishable food for the Oregon Food Bank. You get into the movie for free. So there you go. That is tonight. All right. Um, all right. Do we, do we have a contest bed? Because I don't think I can play the you contest. You can the Glorious Bastards? Well, we're not doing the Glorious Bastards thing yet. Uh, that's later. But I, I have a, this contest requires me to play a sound effect. So I can't play the contest bed and the sound effect at once. If we don't have a contest bed, that's fine. Okay, I don't think we do. My computer is very slow. I could. Okay. Uh, not a big deal. All right, so let's see. Where am I uh, Where am I going with this? Is this? Oh, okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who might this be? Hey, my name's Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. How are you doing today? I'm swell. I'm swell. <laughs> you're swell. <laughs> okay, Jimmy. That, that, of course a guy named Jimmy is swell. I'm Chipper. Thank you very much. He's probably at the mall shop right now. Positively. Waiting for Betty. Positively <laughs> spiffy. All right. Um, okay, sir. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, here's how we play our game. Are, are you a video game enthusiast, sir? I uh, consider myself one. Okay. King of Pitfall. All right. Then here's what we're going to do. My friend, I'm going to play a video game uh, theme or sound effect. Okay. If you can identify the video game theme or sound effect, and we'll give you a few seconds in which to ponder it, if you can identify the video game that has this th- uh, this sound effect or theme, you will win yourself a copy of Halo 3. Are you ready, sir? Sounds swell, pal. Let's do it. You're, you really are great. Okay. Jimmy, how old are you? Twelve. <laughs> How old are you? Thirty-five. Oh yeah, I figured either like thirty-five or like sixty. <laughs> <laughs> That's really wonderful. Sarah really, Sarah really knows how to pick a guy up. She, uh, she really knows what it takes to make a guy feel peppy. Yeah, you're a sweet talker, doll. Yeah. <laughs> kind of creeping me out, Jimmy. All right, here's the deal. I like Jimmy. All right, Jimmy, please now listen to this video game sound effect and then identify the classic video game it comes from. Well done, Jimmy. Congratulations, my friend. That is the introductory theme to the original Donkey Kong. Lovely. (laughs) Sir, are you a character of some kind? Do you really exist, or are you some sort of fictitious thing that a guy has dreamed up? Uh, No, I'm the the real McCoy. Okay, you're weirding me out. I'm going to put you back on hold. Scotty's going to get your info. Congratulations, Jimmy. G. Willikers. Uh, Scotty, talk to Jimmy, please, and let him know he's won a copy of Halo 3. Get his information. We'll pass that along. Well done. Uh, we're going to do that uh, at least once more today. Uh, and we got the Glorious Bastards giveaway as well. Well done. Look at that guy. That was impressive. I didn't know if he'd get that or not. Here's the other one that I almost played. And this is the same thing. It's the same. This is also Donkey Kong. 
I almost did that one as well. So Yeah, that other one sounded kind of more foreboding than I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird game actually when you think about it. The I don't want to you know you don't want to put too much science on it as they say, but if if you really think about Donkey Kong or King Kong for that matter, I mean people over the years I think I think a lot of this is retrofitting how you you know you'll get people to go back and they try to put meanings. So you know Wizard of Oz is a political allegory for you know which is whatever, but it, but people will do the same thing with King Kong where they try to read all this weird uh, like racial and sexual tension you know into a movie that I think was just like a monster film, and they go back and they talk about it. Well, this represents the white man's fear of blah blah blah. But Donkey Kong is. And what does Donkey Kong even mean, by the way? I mean, I know that I should know that as a pop culture historian, but I'm not entirely sure that I know why it's called Donkey Kong. Discuss. Anyone? I mean, it might take a moment. It occurs to me now that as I say this, I really ought to know, but I don't. I mean, I know why the guy's name is Mario. Mario is named after the landlord of the building where Nintendo was located. And this guy would always come in and go, you were late with the rent. Uh, I throw you on the street. Do not tip delivery boy. And he was just like this little angry Italian guy who looked just like the Mario character, who at that point was nameless. And so Mario, the Nintendo character, was named after Nintendo's landlord. I don't know why it's called Donkey Kong, though. Tim Riley is endeavoring to find that out right now. History. Sir Gary Miyamoto, creator of the character, believes donkey means stupid in English, thanks to his Japanese-to-English dictionary, and assumed the name would convey the sense of stupid ape to the American audience. When he suggested the name to Nintendo of America, he was ridiculed, but the name stuck. All right, there you go. The more you know. All right, 503-733-2970. Take a break. Back after this, more of Tim Riley later on. Jim Roop talking about Phil Spector. Uh, glorious Bastard of the Week. More Halo 3 giveaways, and it is High Concept Thursday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Solid State Radio. It's the Rick Emerson radio program, continuing the trend of reading things from the yesterday. The yesterday. From the children who are learning. Uh, there's nothing we got yesterday I get a chance to read. I'll read it today before it becomes two days dated. Yesterday I told this disturbing story about finding uh, these photos of my sister's glove box where she was pushing a child out of something, you know, that I didn't want to see. I mean, really under any circumstances. That's just, I mean, anyway. So I got this, and we got several calls from people echoing that story about how they inadvertently witnessed something unpleasant. Rick, this is from uh, Carl. Hello, Rick. I was flipping through an adult newspaper. It's a long story, not that interesting, but I was flipping through an adult newspaper. I was busy reading the ads for fun people section, and in one of them was a photo with the face blacked out with a bar. I don't think that's a thing they do anymore, by the way. I don't think they do that, you know, where they... Oh, they deal with this white supremacist group. Yeah. Yes, they... But I don't think they do this sort of Betty Page thing anymore with the black bar across the eyes, which really doesn't render anybody unrecognizable. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if you showed me a picture of Sarah just like sitting on a sofa somewhere with a black bar across, like somebody's bus. I wonder what was there. (laughs) The scales. Um, The um, that's like when you see those, um, you know, like those sixty minutes programs or whatever, where they don't. The the person is just shown shown in shadow, Mm -hmm. and you know, and the person is clearly completely recognizable to anybody who knows them. Just sort of a, so anyway, I've been stealing from work pretty regularly. And you're just like, well, who doesn't know who this is? 
Anyway, um, I was reading through the ads for fun people in the adult newspaper, and in one of them was a photo with the face blacked out with a bar. It was a woman in obviously leather-type lingerie or bondage gear looking for triple-X-style fun. And next to her, next to the woman looking for bondage fun, the woman in lingerie with her face blacked out, next to her in the photo was... An afghan that my wife had once made for her mother. Also the kindling holder that my grandfather grandfather had made for my, my mother-in-law. Also the beanbag chair that we have taken many photos of over the years at my mother-in-law's house. Good God Almighty, I can never sit in that chair again, ever, ever, ever. The next Thanksgiving dinner was very awkward. That's exactly what you want to see. Picture of your mother-in-law with a ball gag looking for good times in the back of a newsprint magazine. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Blackwater USA triggered a major battle in the Iraq War by sending an unprepared team of security guards into an insurgent neighborhood, a move that led to horrific deaths and a violent response to U.S. forces. That, according to a congressional study released today, like we didn't know that. The uh, private security company, one of the largest working in Iraq and under scrutiny of how it operates, is also faltered for initially installing its guards, being untrained and equipped for the impending inquiry. The results of the staff come less than a week after uh, former Navy SEAL and Blackwater's founder is scheduled to testify. The March 2004 incident involving Blackwater was widely viewed as a turning point in the war after the images of those bodies of the four guards were seen around the world. So this... Blackwater uh, companies in a lot of trouble. Uh, one of the mothers of uh, one of the deceased, uh, Donna Zervko, whose son Jerko died of the incident, says she hopes the staff report will lead to more oversight and more discussion on the use of private contractors in Iraq. That uh, Macy's store downtown is supposed to reopen. That's the one that so was catching on fire. Yeah, well, this, <laughs> there's nothing left to it. Like half the building's missing, and they say it's going to open at the end of October. You know what? Here's how long that building has been closed, that Macy's store. Uh, it's been closed so long, I just forgot it even existed. Like, if you were to ask me, hey, where's the nearest place you can go to buy some Macy's crap? Like, I would assume you had to go to Lloyd Center. Yeah. Like, I just sort of, I, whitest, uh, blandest country music album ever recorded. I've been walking the streets of Tannisborn. The Macy's downtown, I remember I tried to go there, God, it must be like six months ago, because mm-hmm. I needed... I don't like socks or something. I needed to, you know, I needed some, whenever buy something or other. And I, I tried to go in, and there was like a really angry, burly woman at the front. It's closed. Stay out. And I just, I yeah, wondered, the whole building looks like it's being held up by a couple of two by fours. I mean, what are they? What is it? They're, they're remodeling it and turning the top floors into a hotel. Yeah. All right. Let's and go stay at the open. Macy's, honey. That'll be really sexy. They say it's going to open at the end. <laughs> Actually, I like Macy's. Better than uh, the other store it used to be. Myron Frank. Frank. Yeah, they're much. Polite. But it, now is it? But is it the same store? They have a different selection of merchandise. But, I mean, is it is it sort of like, in other words, is it like where the, 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 the Macy's just come in and just put their name on everything and it's the same? No, I think it's more upscale now. All right. So it's actually... They a, have better merchandise. It's actually a different store. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Their, their fondue kits are of a higher quality. Yes, I agree. All right. Uh, so, anyway, they say this uh, new Macy's that's like hanging by a thread downtown is going to reopen at the end of the month. <laughs> it's Potemkin Macy's. It's like that town in Blazing Saddles. You just lean on the building a little too hard and the whole thing just comes down. Yeah, it says the grand reopening party is scheduled for October 24th at 5 p.m. Yeah, that'll never happen. There's going to be a ribbon cutting. Then when they cut the ribbon, the whole front of the store is going to fall say, A ribbon cutting followed by a floor caving and a roof destroying. I don't see how that's going to work. That's... But apparently they have confidence. 
Uh, oh, uh, Greg Oden, remember him? The uh, the trailblazer who was supposed to change everything. He walked into a news conference today on crutches. Blazing a path to the doctor's office. Uh, the new uh, blazer manager said, hey, as you can see, he's on crutches. And we're excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I blew that joke, too. I should have been blazing a trail to the doctor's office. That would have been funnier. He showed up on crutches? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just that that. I know, but you think they would at least... Put him in a wheelchair. Well, no. <laughs> Just strap him to a gurney and wheel him in. No, I was going to say that you think they might try to stage manage that a little more to where you don't let the press in until he's already in the room standing behind the podium. And then you let them... So, you know, you don't want photographs of that guy on crutches everywhere. Just You think that... I'm just saying... Just as they stage manage all of George Bush's appearances so he doesn't quite look uh, as incompetent as we know he is, you would if I was if I was handling this guy's press appearances right now for the Trailblazers, I, I would uh, keep the press out of that room, wheel his old bones in there, prop him up behind the podium, duct tape him to whatever you need to, then you let the press come in, they talk to him, then the press leaves, then you let him collapse onto the floor again and wheel him out. Because uh, now it's just going to be endless photographs of the $10 million need that's never going to work. As yesterday's positive report card shows, children do learn. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what's Melissa Rivers up to lately, and how's Joan doing? Well, the jury is still out on uh, whether or not the red carpeting hosting veterans will return to TV Guy Channel next year. We all watch that, don't we? I think TV Guy Channel is on your way to something else. Channel 1 or Channel 2 or something. It's the Kennewick, Washington of the, of the television world. You uh, see it as you're driving by on your way to... Look at that of it and gone. And that's it. Well, anyway, uh, Melissa says uh, they will announce their uh, next move uh, later this year. It's one of those things where it literally oh, should be parted ways with TV Guide. It's all anybody wants to talk about. And I keep saying an announcement's coming, an announcement's coming, an announcement's coming. And an announcement is coming. Jesus. That's you think they closed for not talking. Seriously, just shut up. We're going to start that new category, the people that we like until they speak. I don't even like her when she's not speaking. And why does TV Guide still exist? Really, what is the There's possible... There's TV Guide channel. But, I mean, who even uses that at this point? Because doesn't, like, Comcast offer their own on-screen programming or I whatever? I believe that is the on-demand channel. So if you're going to on-demand, you will catch that in the right corner of your screen while you're choosing what you want to watch. Mm. For at least ten seconds. I guess. I, it, I mean, is the, do they still print... Is the TV Guide magazine still in existence? You know, I haven't looked at it in a long time. What I, would you do with it? I don't know. Who would have it? <laughs> I, I think that just becomes a thing to hit your children with. I mean, really, in a pinch. They're, you know, if they're getting uppity, that's, that's all that really is. I can't... The last thing I remember... Like, if you go to the file in my head marked uh, TV Guide, mm-hmm. the last little bit of knowledge that I remember gaining about TV Guide, the last update to that file, was at some point... Didn't TV Guide go from being a Reader's Digest-sized magazine yes. to being thin but sort of bigger? I believe so, yes. That's it. That's the last thing I remember like noticing about TV Guide, and that was probably five years ago. Well, I'm going to Fred Meyer tonight. I'll look at the checkout. Please do. Oh, wait a minute. No, they don't have it at the self-service checkout. Maybe that's why you don't know. Really? Oh, that's because I try to... I, yeah, whenever I go to Fred Meyer, I try to use that thing so I have to talk to people. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I use it every time. So. I use it every time, too. So there's... Uh, so there's... And then... But you know what? Here's the thing they ought to do with that... The thing at that Fred Meyer checkout, they really got to make that barcode thing more forgiving so that you get a couple more tries at it before it says, please see checkout clerk, you know, and then you're just like, God damn. Yeah, then you've got the day old bread again. Yeah. 
And it's oh, you're trying to scan something that's really that's that's really oddly shaped too. Yeah, you're, try, you're trying to you're like you're trying to scan like a bag of frozen. Then you got to turn upside down whatever it is. It sticks to the top of it, so you've destroyed it by the time you put it in the bag. I got this the other day. I was trying to buy some frozen blueberries or something, and it's like it had been. The bag was intact, but it had been stored next to a bag, I think, that had leaked a little bit. And so the barcode is covered with, like, frozen goo. Mm. And so, but I'm, like, so desperate not to talk to anybody that I was just doing everything, like, cleaning it off with my sleeve, like, because it was the last bag, trying to get it to scan. Because, of course, if it screws up and it tells you, you know, please talk to clerk, then it not only do you, then it's like a double punishment because it takes you three times as long to get checked out. And then you also have to talk to the stupid and you feel kind of bad in a way for the person whose sole job it is just to sit there and stare blankly ahead, supervising it, knowing that any day their job is going to be eliminated. Because really, what kind of a job is that for an adult? Just sitting there staring at the floor while people use a machine in your presence. I mean, there's just nothing there. So, all right. Back when I was a youngster, we used to tape in the numbers to cash register. You, can you work a 10 key? I can. I used to be, man, I was a whiz with a 10 key. I was a combination cashier display builder. Really? Back in my day. Like an end of aisle display? Huh? Did you ever build a, py a pyramid of a pecans? Yep. Every Friday night? Really? We'd have to trade them and stack them up to the ceiling. Oh, that sucks. That is so wonderful. Let me ask you this. Did it I ever... paid well for that. Did it ever really happen in the supermarket that a customer would knock over a pyramid of cans? Nope. Clorox, though, because they're so heavy. All it takes is one carriage. Who would build a fur coat? <laughs> Who would build on her way to buy bonbons? Let's go over there to where the tissues are. Who would not go? First of all, why were you stacking? Why were you making a bleach pyramid? Everything that goes seems up like a bad system. idea. Well, this store, was, this store chain was bought out by another one. Let's stack these reaches. bags of glass to the ceiling. We used to stack mason jars to the ceiling. Oh, see, that's just a, see, that's just like big jars of honey. Mm -hmm. Let's get these glass jars of honey and stack them one on top of each other until they're in a huge rickety And then pile. you got creative. If you had laundry detergent, why not grab a broom and a dustpan and put one on either side to make it more, look more decorative? And so, because if you build a pyramid, not I'm not talking about the figurative FDA food pyramid. I'm talking like literally a pyramid of cans at the store. Everything's built in pyramid style. But I mean, how, did you ever do this? Do you ever come up to a food pyramid that's built at the end of an aisle and you wonder... If you're going to be the guy who pulls out the wrong Jenga block and it's all going to come down on you and then everybody's going to look over you. Do you really like, pull things out of food pyramids, though? I do, sometimes. Yep. Yeah. I never do. Yep. Because Nothing I ever really desires in a food pyramid. The dented pyramid. things are always in front. And yeah. The good ones are always in the middle. That's the thing, too. Okay, now, so we've done, we did a little segment a long time ago, and people have occasionally asked me to bring this back, and we'll do it one of these days. It was sort of an ad hoc segment. We did this segment called... Make Sarah feel less crazy about her OCD tendencies. And I forget why we did it that day. Oh, it's because you were having to chew I your M&Ms two at a time. Yeah, so I have to have one on either side of my mouth and chew them at the same time. Yeah, that's that's what we have. We have an out-of-context soundbite about that somewhere. But, it was yeah, you have to chew like M&Ms or loose candies two at, the, two at a time each side of your mouth. And so we had this whole segment about what do you do that's a crazy OCD thing. Don't call about it now. And so... I had said, though, maybe I didn't say this at the time, but one of my things is if I am buying, as they used to say in the West, dry goods, such as cereal or whatever, or Triscuits, anything like that, I can never buy the one in front. I have to buy the one that's like two back. Well, for dairy goods, they always rotate the stuff. So you, if you want the newest, you reach way behind and grab the one way behind it. You are one of those. You're what Kevin Smith calls a milkmaid. Yeah. Sitting there looking through, convinced that there's a, a, a thing of milk that won't expire until 19, you know, until until 15 years from but now. But that's the way they do it because I did it myself. Yeah. You have to rotate your stock. I know. If I'm going to buy a box of Triscuits, I cannot buy the box of Triscuits in front. I'll Anything that is stacked back, in other words, 
not stacked from the bottom up, but anything that is on a shelf stacked from the front to the back, I have to buy the one behind. I'm like that with milk. I will never get the front milk because they always put the newer ones in the back. Totally. Right. Magazines, I have to buy the magazine that's two from the front. You know, that's you know, it's one back. By the way, um, I looked. I was just looking at your MySpace page and some people posted some of the subliminal advertising uh-huh. that we were talking about earlier. Oh, really? That's pretty I've cool. never seen that. I do, I the Coca-Cola one? Uh, I, I can't see that either. I'll have to go, let me go to the page. Let me okay. Is that my MySpace page? It sure is. We can that wait. is messed up. I'll go there. All right, I'll go, I'll go look at it here in a few. I can. Just a minute. Hold on. This is where... Oh, yeah. Strange program. Is it 2 o'clock? It is. God it sure is. Almost. All right. Hold it's on a second. It's eight minutes before 2. Going to my... Uh, hold on. I got to... I have to make very sure. A nice uh, listener named Steve sent it. Well, there are so many MySpace pages. I don't know one from the other. Because of uh, CBS's stringent rules about conflict of interest, I had to, make, I had to get to my... When I loaded my MySpace pages now, mm-hmm. which is myspace.com slash Rick Emerson, I had to make very sure that I immediately got to the stop button on the song that is embedded there. Because uh oh yeah because that's not a thing I can do that's a that's the when you go to my MySpace page uh-huh. a piece of music begins playing oh which, is it perhaps a band that I like it might be a band a band that would uh, yes and so it it's a band that um uh, that I that whose music uh, cannot be played on this show oh I'm gonna ask that band to be my friend right now such a tool. Okay, so if it can't be played on the show, it may not be on your MySpace page? It's uh, it's a whole thing. All right. Oh, and somebody posted a picture of the Texas Embassy restaurant. God, I sound like a retard. Uh, right? It was uh-huh. breathless what I was. I was breathless just now. Somebody posted a picture of the Texas Embassy. Yeah. Um, so, okay, now is this a real coca Somebody has posted on my MySpace page what purports to be some subliminal advertising from an old Coca-Cola commercial. Um I'm calling BS on that. That's pretty blatant. I'm calling BS. That's a that is I I think that might be a little bit of a photoshopping deal going on there. You think? Hmm. Yeah, because how could you even see it? And don't say because it's subliminal. I mean, it literally. I mean, it has to be big enough for your brain to register, though. Yeah, I don't believe that one. Well, it depends how big it is. I mean, if that's a billboard, or if it's, it's a, a little bigger. Or if it's a magazine ad, maybe somebody's posted a, a supposed Coca-Cola ad, wherein in one of the ice cubes. There is what very much looks to be the a profile of a woman like if who you is. Blow a .08. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was just gonna say, there's a picture of a woman who appears to be about ready to blow a .08. That is so great. <laughs> Bam! You know we are. We're Did kin- anyone send you pictures? No, not yet. We are kindred spirits. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir, and madam, as the case may be. Thanks Aww. for calling. I appreciate the 40 minutes you spent on hold. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Yeah, I'm truck driver in Portland. Hmm. Um, What's up, uh, sir? How you doing? Well, I was reading the editorial page there on uh, in the Oregonian. Yeah. And somebody wrote in and said, you know, we shouldn't listen to MoveOn.org and that. Uh, we should listen to Bush's speeches because he is an articulate and knowledgeable patriot. Did they really? That's, that's kind of funny. Did they put at the end, like, psych, you know, or like uh, not, or, you know, I thought it was Opposite some kind of day. joke, you know, and I, I read it a couple times, and I, I think this person really believes it. Yeah, maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was Opposite Day where they were writing that, or maybe they were writing it from the Bizarro World. Bizarro World, exactly. The Bizarro I World mean, where Bush has a Z on his chest or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, how many speeches do you have to listen to before you realize the guy's an idiot? True. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, what? Well, do we have any speeches, Tim, where, where George Bush might sound like he's uh, an idiot? Do we have uh, an idiot? Yeah, do we have any? Bush- as yesterday's positive Thank report you. card shows... Children's do learn. 
That is so great. You just can't make it up. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, movie quote for you. That, uh, see if you can guess. I'm sure you'll be able to. Here it is. Is this your real voice? Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Nothing. Go ahead. I can't hear myself. Okay. <laughs> We're the richest men in Astoria. What movie is that from? Well, that's not The Goonies, and that's the only movie I know that has anything to do with Astoria, is it? It is The Goonies. You got it. Is the it? pop quiz, uh, the pop culture uh, king right here, Rick Emerson. Okay, thanks. Thanks, bye. I was smart enough to separate the fact that it was my mother and that she could be bothering me about fixing things at home and shut up and learn. What, what was that? That's Tim. What was that we were just playing? Melissa Rivers. Melissa Rivers. Okay, I didn't know where that was coming okay. from. Um, well, I feel like I won that by default. Because the guy said, we're the richest men in Astoria, and I actually said, well, that's not the Goonies, because I don't remember that line in the Goonies. Well, I think it's after they rob the bank. Is it? Or oh. after they do the robbery. And I only said the Goonies, because, of course, people say Astoria, and it's, you know, Goonies. I didn't think that the town was actually called Astoria in the Goonies. I don't know. You know, it makes me a bad Gen Xer, but I've only seen the Goonies maybe eight or nine times. Not like Okay, the, that's not too bad. Not like the hundred times. Did you ever see the, um, the part they cut out with the octopus, octopus. that dances oh, yeah. away? Oh, totally, yeah. Oh. No, I've listened to the commentary with all the kids. I just, I mean, the Goonies is a great film. I just uh, I don't watch it compulsively like uh, like some people do. I mean, there's many people who are just have a fetish for that movie, and it's a, it's a, it's a great fun film. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, all right, what are we? Uh, God damn it! It's just the time is rushing away. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. Hey. <laughs> hey, about that uh, Coca-Cola thing? Yeah. That is the real deal. That's not actually photoshopped. So where it's... where is that from? I saw a thing about it a while ago. I was talking about some little advertisement, and it was if I remember it right, I, this is. Don't quote me on it, but it was like the guy that actually designed that poster. It was supposed to go on the back of buses. Mm-hmm. So that if you're sitting in traffic, you would see it. And he found out he was getting fired. I was going to say, it doesn't seem like it's subliminal advertising. That's a subliminal FU to the company. Oh, yeah, it totally was. He found out that they were, after that piece was done, they were going to fire him. So yeah. he, uh, he put that in there so that when you're sitting in traffic, you're watching a woman getting ready to blow a point oh eight. Yeah, that's the... Uh... That's exactly what that is. It, you know what it is? It's it, it's not a subliminal bit of advertising as such. Yeah, it's just a guy who wanted to stick it to the man uh, bef- bef- so as they fired him. Yeah, no, I, I'm, all right, excellent. Stick Excellent. it to the woman? Yes, yeah, stick it to the woman. I'm sticking <laughs> it to the woman today. And, you know, because, really, let's be honest, because if we're going to have equality, we shouldn't just be sticking it to the man. Amen to that. We should be yep. sticking it to the woman. Yeah, there's some show about, I think it was, you know, on... Discovery Channel or something like that, or A&E or something. Excellent. Talking about all the uh, subliminal things like that, and that was one of them. Great. Thank you. Hey, thank you. There you go. Sticking it to the woman. Um, well, that's like, and I, you know, there's the, the famous, the so-called phallus in the palace, the, the, the uh, golden male member, which is purportedly visible in the Little Mermaid castle. Well, I have the, I have the old VHS one that, with the castle made of turrets. Where one looks like a penis? No, I thought I believe it was more than one, wasn't it? I don't know. The I interviewed the guy who drew that. I've had I at one point on when I was living in Salt Lake, uh, we had on the show because he was a Simpsons animator too, a guy named Bill Morrison who drew that. Um, and I asked him flat out, I'm like, hey, you drew the Little Mermaid thing with the supposed penis. What's the deal? He's like, I didn't know it looked like a penis. He denies it. I mean, for for what it's worth, could be lying. For what it's worth. Uh, Sitting across the table from me, he denied to my face that he intentionally wanted those to look like male members. So I thought I was like, because there's all those rumors, like, well, same thing. You hear the rumor that, like, well, he was going to be fired, so he drew a penis. He denies that that's what it is. He said he just wanted to make something that looked like it had been underwater and was sort of melting. 
and that they were turrets that had sort of like whatever sagged or something over the years. He denies that they're supposed to look like uh, members, but uh, this Coca-Cola thing is pretty great though. So, so it really it, it's real. It's just there for a different reason. That's pretty fantastic. The pause that refreshes. <laughs> That's way better than way better than the joke I was going to make. <clears throat> I do wish we had a picture of that blowing a point oh eight thing. I know. I, it's been like four hours. I thought somebody would have found it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, maybe next time. Yeah. All right. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the picture won't do it justice, and we'll just look like a bunch of crazy people. That's fine. Uh, let's see. What do we? We should now? really break. Should we break? Yeah. All right. Take a break. Here's what's coming up in the next hour. Jim Roop about Phil Spector. More of Tim Riley and Glorious Bastard of the Week, and we give away another copy of Halo Three. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. Don't forget, tonight is the... I did get some great emails about this, actually. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Somebody wanting to know, who's Cannes? I am still there. Anyway, uh, Cannes Film Festival tonight, AM 970, will be at Tigard Cinemas, where you can donate three or more cans or boxes of non-perishable food. And yes, to the guy who emailed me about macaroni and cheese, that does mean macaroni and cheese. I do believe a boxed macaroni and cheese, uh, I think that does count as that. He says, I'm planning to see The Simpsons with my wife tonight at Tigard Cinemas. Uh, are they only accepting cans, or can you bring other non-perishable food? Yeah, anything non-perishable, but I think they say cans because it's kooky. Um, anyway, so we're going to be there tonight. Um... AM 970 at Tiger Cinemas tonight. If you donate three or more cans or boxes of non-perishable food, you get free admission to a movie and a free uh, popcorn. The offer is good for all shows except start attractions. That is tonight at Tiger Cinemas. Uh, the real great thing about this, though, uh, is A, it helps the uh, Oregon Food Bank, and B, uh, we're going to be set up with the Rock Band Tour Stage. So if you've been waiting to see Rock Band the game, which is sort of, you know, there's Rock Star, but Rock Band is like where there's a drum kit and like a bass and there's somebody who can sing. It's a, so it lets you do it with three other people so you can be... You know, like lifeless dorks all at once. Uh, it's just getting time to do the whole band. So, if you, And I don't even think the game is out. I think it's like November that it comes out. Uh, so you've been waiting to see Rock Band. This is your chance, and you're going to be able to play it. And I think we're giving, in fact, I know we're giving away a copy of Rock Band tonight. I think you'll be able to play it as well in kind of a big screen. There's like a whole like, stage. So Rock Band is a video game? This is like this is like the other day when you said is Halo Three a video game? I'm so confused. Yeah, because video uh, games never sound. The other could be a movie. It's true. No, or... that really is true. Um, rock Band. Well, you've seen Guitar Hero. Yes. Rock Band is like that, but it's not just guitar. There's guitar, bass, drums, and then you can sing as well. So it's like a four-person Guitar Hero. It's the full band. Okay. It's kind of cool actually because Guitar Hero is just is just obscenely addictive. Uh, and this is the full deal. Uh, so it's a full band. And it's not going to be out until November, but you can play it tonight, see it tonight, and we're giving away a copy tonight as well. So that's your chance uh, to see it. It's going to be at uh, the Tiger Cinemas tonight, 
uh, for the Cannes Film Festival. So bring some food. Uh, help the uh, help those who uh, need the Oregon Food Bank get a uh, you know, get into the movie. See rock bands, cool thing. So that's tonight. Um, Okay, so back tonight we got the Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, to do here in a short while. We'll do one more giveaway of Halo 3 this hour as well. Um, I may or may not announce the next giveaway we're going to be doing, which is next week. I may or may not have a chance to actually announce that today, so it's busy. And then I think we should be talking to Jim Roop. Let's see when. Oh, four minutes ago. Sarah, why don't you call Laura Cavizos? Oh, oh, you don't even wait. start. Let me... Ah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, just to, uh, Sarah can verify this when she goes home tonight, but just to let you know, in The Little Mermaid, not only is there a penis in the, in the... And that there appears to be a, a male uh, member in the castle. Yes. That is correct. Also, there, the priest becomes visibly aroused when he is there marrying him. I remember for just like a second. We were yeah, he does. Friends the other day. What, really? Seriously. See, I've only seen The Little Mermaid once. Um, and then I just never saw it again. So, so while he's marrying them, there's a moment where he's um, too messent. Well, he's uh, you know he's in a state of excitement. That is correct. Why would that be there? I have no clue. It's Disney. I don't know maybe there's six <laughs> people working there. Oh, somebody is. Somebody, by the way, has uh, has clarified about this. It's a small world ride. The deal with it's a small world. I guess it wasn't Donald Duck. It was. Let's see. Where did I where did I put the email? The deal with the small world ride is that apparently for a long time. A, okay, here we go. A massive mural, and I guess it wasn't in a small world, just somewhere in Disneyland. It says a massive mural in Disneyland used to have two Nazis saluting Walt Disney. It took them decades to notice it and paint over it. And this is from someone. Wow. Who, and I know who. And this is from someone who really knows Disney inside and out. I'll put it that way. This is from somebody who I know is a very who's very knowledgeable about the Disney company. It says yeah, a massive mural at Disneyland used to have Nazis saluting Walt Disney. I love the idea that it was just there for decades too. Um, stuff like that is just, you can't get away with stuff like that in the digital era because people, you know, it's like we, all those guys who went to see Who Framed Roger Rabbit and for just a second you believe you see the private region area of Jessica Rabbit, but you're not really sure. And there was some sort of a, um, I mean, I know it's perverse or whatnot, but there was some sort of a cool sort of weird mystery about some of that kind of stuff. Like, did I really just see that? Well, who knows? And there's a little bit, it's kind of, it's kind of a, I don't know, disappointing in a way it, when all of that stuff is, you'll forgive the pun, sort of laid bare and everybody sort of can find all that stuff out. It's sort of whatever. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right, in The Lion King, too, there's supposedly the sequence in The Lion King when I think it's a cloud that is in the background or something and it spells out like the word sex. Or something for a I second. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it's all... I mean, I don't know how much of that is true and how much, how much of it is Well, just, I found uh, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing, which is pretty disturbing. It is. It's totally disturbing. I mean, the idea that an animator had to sit there and go, what would the genitals of Jessica Rabbit look like? I mean... It's, and don't, don't even... I mean, yeah. I mean, that whole thing. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to get it out of my head now. It kind of okay. looks like sex. What are you looking at? At the still from the oh, Lion King. okay. All right. I wondered what you were looking at that you thought looked vaguely like sex. <laughs> uh, it's everything but sex. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, where you can kill anyone you want. <laughs> and no one will be done, No, nothing will be done to you about it. No one will ever, uh, no one will ever incarcerate you for it. Uh, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. 
Boy, you picked the wrong day to uh, to quit smoking, to yeah. quit taking amphetamines, to stay homesick, whatever that line from airplane is. You... Yeah, uh, believe me, when I uh, when I realized what was going on, I was pretty ticked off. Yeah, they, how dare Phil Spector get <laughs> that bastard? I knew he'd do that. <laughs> we um yesterday we did sort of make a, a little just sort of a, a, a what's the phrase I'm looking for? Just sort of a cursory call to CNN yesterday afternoon to say, hey, we know Roop is sick. He's probably not up and around doing this. Is it? You know, you got somebody, t- and they didn't have anybody talking about it yesterday. So it's uh so this is our this. This is it, man. We're, this is, we're breaking the seal on this whole discussion with you right now. Yeah, but, you know, th- it, this isn't over by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, they're going to try him again, like, tomorrow. I mean... Well, they're, they're going to request a retrial. However, number one, is it going to get granted? And number two, is Spectre going to try and opt for a plea? And I, gu- I guarantee you, if, if Spectre says, let's make a deal, the DA is going to say, no way, man, unless it has some kind of prison time involved. Uh-uh. Because I know, I know the DA just wants this guy in jail. Yeah, well, they, I mean... I hate to compare this to O.J., but we sort of live in a world where everything like this has to be compared to O.J. I mean, doesn't it just seem like Paris Hilton notwithstanding, you can just kind of do whatever you want in L.A. and you never you know, go to jail? I, 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 was re, I was researching a lot of that today, and I have come to the conclusion that really the rich, the famous, the privileged, those with money seem to get a fairer trial than the poorer people, only because... If you take a look, and I was looking at the resources that the, the DA's office and the police department has in investigating uh, a, a crime, in, in mounting a trial, they have unlimited resources, right. investigators, forensics people, uh, professionals, uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. If you have a public defender, and they can pick the best and the brightest to try a, a case, if you're a, a, some poor slob getting a public defender, you don't know who you're getting. No, no, it's true. And you don't have any money to hire any kind of uh, experts of any kind. You know, so really, the poorer you are, the less known you are, the worse chance you have of getting a fair trial. It is true. I heard two really good phrases uh, used about this over the years. One is, and I think it was about, um, I forget who this was even about, but somebody said they were talking about some court case, and they said, you know, so-and-so had had only a public defender between them and the virtually unlimited resources of the state. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, when you say, it's one thing to say, uh, it's not like I'm some big defender of Phil Spector, but it's one thing when you say Los Angeles or California or whatever. But really, when you say, look, you know, he was being prosecuted by the state, you really do start to get a sort of Orwellian understanding that this is the fully unlimited resources of the government yeah. trying to put you in a small no, box not, for the rest of your life. I'm not saying that... Phil Spector's innocent here. Right. I'm just saying that I don't know about that whole argument that the rich and the privileged, you know, can buy their way out of justice. I think they're just able to mount an equal defense to whatever they're being charged and prosecuted. That's that. I firmly believe that now after talking with the DA's office today, and I mean the months and the years of the investigations and the experts and the testing of evidence and all of the stuff. I'm thinking. Man, I hope I never get my ass in trouble oh, because no, I can't afford – I'll go to jail. I think it is axiomatic. Somebody said this about O.J. at one point, and this is the truest statement I ever heard about O.J.'s – you know, they, they call it the dream team. Um, is Cochran the only member of the dream team that's dead? No, uh, yeah. Okay. No, we, isn't Kardashian dead too? See, we couldn't remember yesterday, and I just forgot to look it up. Well, whatever. Anyway, um, somebody said this about O.J.'s dream team, and this is the truest thing anybody ever said. They said – they said the, 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 the equation sort of mathematically is like this. O.J. had a lot of money, so he got a really, really good defense. Yeah. Therefore, if you do not have a lot of money, you're not going to get a good defense, and it's as simple as that. 
You're going to get what you can afford. Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get what you pay for, and if you're paying nothing, draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and I, I, now I'm feeling real bad for the you know the the people that really may be innocent of a crime and are just. Oh. You know, the poor people of the world, or the folks just like us. I mean, Dude, for crap's sake, I can't afford anybody. I, there was a case when I was in Salt Lake, and I don't even remember who this was now, which is terrible because there's so many of these that you just lose track of them. But there was some case that we talked about when I was a talk show host back in Utah 10, 12 years ago. And the deal was, I forget what it was, but it was some, it was either a woman or a, or a couple. And the state, they, they were on their fifth trial. Because the government had prosecuted them for whatever the crime was, I forget. And they had four hung juries in a row. Not acquittals, but four hung juries in a row. And the state, I mean, think about how exhausting one trial must be. You know, hung jury, you know, try again. Hung jury, try again. Hung jury, try again. And there's no limit. You know, the state can do that as long as they want. And I mean, when you're on your fifth trial with the government trying to put you away forever, I cannot even imagine how terrifying that is. And, you know, Phil Spector is a pretty fragile young man, or not young, but a pretty fragile human being. Oh, yeah. I don't know that he can stand another another trial. Like well, especially because they were trying to put him away for like 20 years, which is effectively life if you're that guy. Yeah. So you got that hanging over your head. Um, it's, um, I, you know, I... It is. It is just. It, it, it is one of those things where you see both sides of the coin. That he's. He. You know. He. He's clearly nuts. And there's a better than even chance, I think, that he did it. But at the same time, you do recognize. Somebody described the legal system one time, to me, as this huge machine that has all these gears and cogs and wheels, and that you're constantly walking by it every day with really loose pant legs. And that if at any moment your pant leg gets caught in the gears of this machine. You have to, like, as fast and as hard as you possibly can, get your pant leg out of those gears because every single turn of those gears brings you deeper into the machine and you'll never get out eventually. Yep. And that's, I think, what, it, what you know, the criminal justice system is like. So uh, I, I sat through a, a lot of this trial, and I, I really think I can't understand why two people still can't figure this out. I honestly believe that the prosecution put on a – Pretty good case for as circumstantial as it was. Um, although something that the, the foreman said yesterday about he's kind of happy that peer pressure isn't what swayed these people to join the other ten. Right. Because what a sad commentary that would be on the criminal justice system. So in a way, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, a hooray it works kind of. Well, the system does work. I mean, that's, it just doesn't always give you the outcome you, you want. Well, that's true. And this, uh, and this is definitely not the outcome Phil Spector wanted because there's still going to be some crap he's going to have to go through here. And plus, they tried to, they tried to get that civil trial going today. And the judge, I was over there today, and the judge in Pasadena said, we can't even visit this thing until we figure out what's going on in the criminal case. So he had to put the civil wrongful death case on hold until – uh, until they figure something out with this criminal trial. I, and, and I was a little confused in it. I wasn't sure if there has to be some sort of remedy in the criminal trial, a verdict or a drop, or drop the charges or whatever, um, or if once the criminal I, – I, see, that's, I, I wasn't sure, and I could get, not get a clear understanding if that criminal case has to be completely through – before the civil case can move forward. It would almost hack. I can't even imagine that guy trying to, I mean, not that he's doing all the work, but that guy trying to juggle two different trials at once for the same crime. That yeah. would just break your brain. He already he fired one of his lawyers today. Roger Rosen was fired. 
It, for what? I mean, she, uh, he just said he was let go. Is this? Is he just irritated? He didn't get uh, irritated. Is the wrong word, probably. But is he? Is he just pissed? He didn't get the full acquittal, and so he's kind of he's changing it up. Uh, it wouldn't have been Roger Rosen. I would have gotten rid of though. I would have gotten rid of Brunan or the, the or the Plord, uh, the Plord, that guy, because you know Plord was stumbling all over himself during uh, during some of the cross examination. Roger Rosen seemed to be the only one with his head on straight. He was the one that pretty much took over when um, is the other character when he took off the New Yorker. Um, ah, shoot. The guy. Yeah, the guy. <laughs> the guy with the TV show now. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, when he when he was absent, Roger Rosen pretty much ran things. So why he was let go, I don't know. I mean, it could be that they, you know, Roger Rosen just said, I'm done, man. So, so Does it stand to reason it's going to be another four years though, before the, before the next you phase know, it of depends. This? It depends on if, if most of that defense team stays on board. I'm guessing that they can streamline... The, uh, the the defense and, and the state can streamline this case because they know where the pitfalls of, the, of these two cases are. So it should be a little easier. I would imagine it, w- it should be a little easier to, uh, to, to, to do this thing, and it shouldn't take five months. But I didn't think it was going to take five months for this one anyway. But, you know, if you're Spectre, though, you've got to figure that it was 10 to 2 to convict. So he's lucky he didn't get convicted this time. So you got to figure he doesn't want to face another trial because he knows the odds are he'll get put away. So it's, it is to his advantage to, to delay it as much as possible. And if that means firing your whole defense team at the last minute, that might be a strategy for him. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's what Robert Blake kept doing, remember? Yep. He kept firing lawyers, so everybody had to get up to speed. I need 30 days, uh, Your Honor, yeah. to read up on the case. You know, I, he, he, then then you have to wonder why the strategy was to fire the guy today. Why not wait until the... the uh, the judge says, okay, we got a trial date of this, and then when that trial date comes up, Phil Spector says, I fired my lawyer. I gotta, this guy's got to get up to speed. It sounds like you have a new job waiting for you as Phil Spector's defense advisor. <laughs> yeah, I tell him to give up. Chief Str- <laughs> <laughs> There's the bridge. Um, Chief Strategist, hey, I have to ask this by law. What's up with O.J.? Is he well, just the, uh, sitting somewhere? Is he what? Is he just sitting somewhere? Well, yeah, he's, he's, bail. He's, from what we understand, he's in Miami. All right. And there is there is a uh, a hearing, a status hearing on the 22nd of October, but he does not have to be there, just his lawyer. And I talked to his lawyer's office today, and he said O.J. is not going to be at that status hearing in Las Vegas. But chances are I'll be there. Oh, this is uh, this is like 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 uh, Lisa Goddard got packed off to Minneapolis, even though Senator Larry Craig is still at home in Idaho sitting in a... I don't know, sitting in his house somewhere. Well, so. he's not going to speak anyway. Even yeah. if O.J. was there, he's not going to talk. I mean, you know, I, I can kind of see the network saying, we need to be there anyway to find out what's going on and see if we can get anything from the lawyers. I can kind of understand that. But the Larry Craig thing, I don't know. He's been talking the whole time. I don't know. Uh, he, he, I think if he was there, he'd be yakking his head off. We're living in a strange time, Jim Rupert. It's a beautiful thing for me. <laughs> it is you and me both, brother. <laughs> I love this country. Yes, All right. Sir. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you, boss. There you go. See you in our radio correspondent, James Rupert. All right. I will play us into break here in just a second uh, because we have to do this. Greetings and salutations, Ed Keister. You are being addressed at this moment because you... Keister, you, yes, you have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including a brand new copy of Halo 3, as well as the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, sir, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they're there. Congratulations, Ed Keister. Thank you for listening. You, sir, 
are the glorious bastard of the week. You're not a glorious bastard. you got to do it uh, right now. Go sign up at 970.am. Tim Riley around the corner and more. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Alright, hi, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Don't forget, tonight, AM 970 will be at the Tigard Cinemas, where you can donate three or more cans or boxes of non-perishable food and get free admission to a movie of your choice and uh, popcorn as well. The offer's good for all shows except start attractions. Uh, food goes to the Oregon Food Bank. And, of course, they're going to be set up with the Rock Band Tour Stage as well. So you've been waiting to see the game Rock Band. Uh, you can see it tonight, play it tonight, and we're going to be giving a copy away as well. That's the Cannes Film Festival uh, tonight, featuring a preview of the new game Rock Band tonight at Tigard Cinemas. I'm just going to read this one email, then we'll uh, go to the Ministry of Truth. Just as a little bit of a callback. We were in the beginning of the program having a discussion about um, the water that comes out of the bathroom tap when you're on an airplane. So this will, um, I think, put a capper on the whole thing. Rick. I do maintenance for a major airline which will remain unnamed. Earlier I heard discussion concerning water on aircraft. In short, all caps, for the love of God, don't drink it. Aircraft have a... <laughs> aircraft... He says, air, listen to the snarkiness here. Aircraft, Rick, have a strange tendency to fly all over the world. And they pick up water wherever they may land. Think about it. That stuff is alive, Rick. We often have the opportunity... Um, Let's see. We had the opportunity to confirm that fact when we change filters and flush the system. Trust me on this, Rick. Even if you were to boil that water on the airplane, all you will accomplish is possibly killing the larger chunks. I once found a container of bottled water on the galley of an aircraft that was out of date. It was bottled in Mexico. If the flight crew won't even drink bottled water from Mexico, how bad could it be? It must have been flying for a long time. It makes the mind real. By the way, about seatbelt extenders... We have them on all the aircraft for the very large. They can even be strung together for the truly, incredibly, exceedingly large. An interesting factoid is that every seatbelt extender is stamped with the acronym Federal Aviation Administration Time Service Overhaul, which spells FATSO. It has been this way for a gazillion years. Check it out. I wonder why we have never been sued. That really is amazing. That can't possibly be true. That can't be true. Well, he's saying check it out. He's saying check it out. It's true. Well, okay. Ted, if that is your real name. It's his real name. Uh, it's not his real name. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, let it never be said that Angelina Jolie is your average tooth fairy. Now, Britain's Daily Star reports that the former Tomb Raider beauty gives her six-year-old son Maddox a whopping $50 for every tooth he loses. And according to those who know, Maddox has lost four teeth so far. I'd be That's stealing a total of $200. I'd be stealing teeth from other kids. I'd be going after other kids with a hammer and a screwdriver. Give me your teeth! Well, the Van Halens are officially on the road again with Diamond Dave at the helm. They're kicking off a 35-day North American tour with a concert in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight, and they will be at the Rose Garden December 1st. Yeah, I missed my chance to buy tickets for that, but I just don't care. I just, I try, I know I talked about this with um, Dennis when Dennis was in last time, but I just, Scotty, do you care about Van Halen? You're the only other person on the show who might care. Do you care about going to see Van Halen at the Rose Garden? Yes. Not even any response. No. <laughs> He's, okay, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No. What do you say? 
Please tell me you already bought us tickets. I swear to God. Okay. He probably has front row seats. All right. What's going on there? Well, you know, we talk about Scotty's, uh, we talk about Scotty's uh, consumer debt mm-hmm. sometimes. And the fact that Scotty is effectively a million dollars in debt. Not yet. Yeah, actually, house, quite literally a million dollars in debt, right? New house, old house he can't sell, cars he's paying off. Uh, as George Bush would say, children's uh, that need uh, shoes and so forth. Mm-hmm. Guess how much Scotty paid, all told, or all day, as they say in the poker world, for his uh, for his Halen tickets. I don't know. Three hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. What? Oh, that's more than Madonna. <laughs> that says it all right there. Five hundred and forty-nine dollars. Get him in here. I'm sorry. Get me Scotty J. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolius. Is it true? Is it? Why, good afternoon, AM 970 fans of the Rick Emerson Show. That almost makes sense. Hi. <laughs> How's please, it going? Please to tell me about this whole business. Well, we had a little inside <laughs> while you were away. Right. Well, there was. Oh, I read this yesterday. There was an email that came out like the day before I left from Susan, I think Susan Reynolds, who is uh, has her finger on the pulse of all things, and she said, "Hey, you know, uh, the Van Halen tickets are going on sale. You still have to buy them, but she's like through CBS. You'll still have to pay for them, but you, you'll get a crack at getting some because, uh, you know, in case it sells out or you know whatever. She's like, you know, if you want to go through CBS, you'll have a chance to buy a few. So I, here's how much I cared about it. I looked at it and I said, man, maybe I should. What? And then I just had forgotten about it by the time I even got halfway through. And I came back and I forgot and I, I realized I didn't care. But did you see this before your trip? Yeah, that's what I'm okay. saying. I saw it the day before I left and I thought, well, maybe I should do see? that. But it, I cared so little about it. You did like, care, though, because your, your left shoulder was telling you to do it. Halfway through the email, I sort of forgot what I was even reading about. And I put it down. And then I came back and I went, here's my reaction when I came back. I went, oh, I missed the Van Halen pre-sale. Oh well, and you know I what? just moved on. I just I I quit caring like two aborted reunions ago. I I thought it was going to be a pre-sale and you save a little money because no. you got the inside scoop, but it's really no, it's, it's like eighty-nine bucks a ticket. You you paid eight. You paid five hundred and forty-nine dollars. Yeah, thirty-seven, forty-nine, somewhere in there. Five thirty-seven, five forty-nine. So what? What? What are these? I swear to God, the next time you complain well, about anything, we're going to hold you down and we're going to beat you in the face. <laughs> I'm going to sell four of them. Like you a know. scalper? What I do is I know that a lot like of people a scalper. I know that a lot of people will want to go to this show with me. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, with you. That's the selling card. That <laughs> yeah, you gonna scalp your in my company. Are you gonna charge us yeah, is there a service fee for your company? I don't know. Do you want to go, Rick? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Sarah? No uh, Can I pay extra to sit somewhere <laughs> else? Yeah. Can I pay extra to sit in another row? Okay, that was funny. There's this, the Scotty J fee, of course, for the pleasure of my imminent presence. The okay, so but so where is the show? It's at the Rose Garden. Yeah. So are these front row. Too bad they're not playing Coliseum. That'd be fun because it'd be like old times, you know. Yeah. yeah. In the van and the hey, are they, so this are these like front row? No, the pre-sale tickets that they gave us. Where are... did you these tickets that cost you five hundred and forty-nine dollars for Van Halen? Where are they in the in the uh, in the Rose Garden? Oh, they're in the 200 section. Now, what is like, that? Oh, okay, 200. If, you, if you're if you on the floor, and yeah. then I, I'm not sure if that's considered 100. I think so, yes. Okay, I think that's correct. And, so you're, and, you're, and then you're 200 up, is like you're, one, you're just, in the bleachers. Yeah, but you're just like one up from the floor. Being on the floor sucks because you're not. It's flat. Yeah, exactly. 
Tim, you got it. Tim has been to a couple concerts. I can tell this guy's been around the block in some concerts. Being on the floor sucks, and then followed by, it's flat. Right. What? Well, it's, I don't even understand what's going on. The floor is flat. It's not like a theater yeah. seating. You're looking at the back of somebody's head. Or the ooh guy with the huge shoulders. Moving back the and forth. The guy. You mean the woo guy? Yeah, blocking your view through the whole thing. So, but let me ask you. Shimmying back and forth. Shh, the people don't shimmy anymore. Oh, they shake. Jiggering back and forth. He's sort of, uh, he's, he's cantering. You both sound like salesmen. Seriously. All right, so. You don't want that front row ticket. Just like the time when I found a, um, a $20 bill on the ground and I was too young to know my dad traded me a shiny quarter for it. <laughs> that's so great and awesome. <laughs> No, I, seriously, that's I, like that, no. That's like when you get, gotta get a car and it's missing a window, and the guy goes, "Well, you don't want those factory." No, it's windows. not anyway, like those that. factory windows are all thin. I never uh, want front row because I swear they're always looking at me. Anyways, when I'm in the audience, it's like, "Where's Waldo?" I swear that I get from the artist. They're right. looking me right in the eye. I swear, oh, he just looked at me, even though I'm looking through binoculars. Anyway, stop talking. Binoculars. <laughs> Burninoculars. Please dispel binoculars. B i n. O. Right. See? U-L-E-R-S. A-R-S. Move on. Let's stop. Um, stop. You don't like sitting in the front row because you think that the guy on stage is looking at you. Well, You I know don't... who he is? He's not the woo guy. He's the they're here to see you, dude. If you seem bigger than Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. He's the they're all here to see me, dude. Um, so, okay. If I'm... Okay, so the, here's the stage. I'm drawing a thing so everybody knows. Okay. Forgive me. So here's the stage. Okay. Where are you? I th- it'll be here's the stage right here. It'll either be right side here. So like you're here, right? Or okay. the left side, same thing. So and you're so from, so, so from the stage perspective, if I'm on stage looking out, you're you in the bleachers have, to my left. Yeah, but then there'll be a there'll, there'll be a row of this. It'll go one, two, three. That's all. Yeah, two, so all around the stadium is two hundred rows. You're two right? sections or back. Level. You're two sections back in the bleachers. And the black on my curtains left. are on most of it. Yeah, the higher. No, it goes like this. Five hundred and forty-nine dollars. It goes from the floor. One. I know where you're sitting. I understand. <laughs> you should, you drew me a picture. But I, I want to explain this to people. No, no. Uh, there's no explaining yet. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Here's the thing. I've seen uh, David Lee Roth and uh, Sammy Hagar back when they toured together. For like $12, yeah. Yeah, well, I got them for free because I won a karaoke competition. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, David Lee Roth was so bad compared to Sammy Hager that it wasn't even funny. And what a sad statement that is. That is, it, that is because I really like David Lee Roth. Yeah. I mean, they, they were great together back in the 80s. But that was back in the 80s. They did a ton of uh, crotch shots where uh, David Lee Roth had obviously stuffed with something. Yeah. Oh, see, but, that's kind of, no, but see, I feel that's kind of great. If I, was a, if I was a guy like David Lee Roth, I would overstuff just to make it like really <laughs> obvious. I would put like... I would put like the most massive gourd, in, you know, in the leg of my. Look at this, and then just constantly shove it at the audience just to be like kooky. You know, the thing is, I don't even like Van Halen that much. I just like David Lee Roth. That's my thing. Then why not see him? Even though he can't sing, it's still a fun experience. That's the whole idea. Because I just don't. Because you paid five hundred and forty-nine dollars for that. I'm gonna yeah. sell him. That's why I'm not going. I'm gonna eBay him. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Jesus Christ. Hello. Hey, I don't give a crap about Van Halen, but I'd be happy for Scotty to give me one of those tickets and then wear something low-cut, bring him drinks all night, and drive his drunk ass home. Maybe she'll bring you a whiskey wow. for, a, uh, for a ticket. See, the tickets are already starting to pay off. People are calling in. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, so are you going to pay a Scotty? <laughs> hey, keep in mind, I don't want...
want to buy one of those awful things. And until you just said that David Lee Roth thing, I couldn't have told you anyone in Van Halen or anything they sang. I'm there. You're not going to pay the uh, the Scotty J service fee for the pleasure of his company. Scotty J will be paying my service fee for the pleasure of my company. That's the see. That's how we. Scotty J pays to play. That's the way it is. Quit and he rhyming plays very well. Quit talking like that. He likes yes. to rhyme things with his own name. <laughs> Scotty J likes to rhyme with J. Alright, thank you. Scotty J rhymes with K. <laughs> but she doesn't have to call me Johnson, alright? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I was just calling to say the 200 level is two rows up from the floor. Yeah. That's, yeah, he was saying two it's right after the floor. It's, no, it's he's, deluding, level. he's deluding himself. Okay, yeah. I thought the floor was 100. No, no, you're, you're, well, the floor you're, is the floor. Yeah, you're, okay. <laughs> you're one row from the top, so that's that's an expensive ticket. Five hundred and forty-nine dollars. Yeah, they are not that thank bad. Thank you. All right, thank you. In fact, I prefer being in the two hundred section. I've done it many a time. We were in the two hundred section. Close to the beer gardens and everything. No, else. we were in the two hundred level section for My Chemical Romance, yeah. and they were about. And they were ants. They oh, were ants. No wonder why I swear they're looking at me through the. Five hundred and forty-nine dollars. Maybe your binoculars are blinding them. <laughs> You're looking through the wrong end. Uh, all right. Well, have fun with that, Scotty. I will. Yeah. When is that coming up? December 1st. All right. Wow. Yeah. It's way in uh, Let's see. Oh, i got to get rid of these Donald Trump tickets at some point. Speaking of tickets, I think. Should go Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen. And then Tim Riley vanished at some point. He'll be back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. All right. Yeah, just remember that the next time he's carping about, you know, something. No, he's not allowed to complain about anything. <laughs> Seriously. You've seen his car. And his $549 Van Halen tickets. There's just no way. No, I wouldn't pay a tenth of that. I bet Scotty would be a lot of fun to go to a concert with, though. Oh, I, I think so, probably. Yeah. Because he would. you know he'd be blind drunk by the time the opening band was done. I mean, before they even came on. You just know, like when we all went to see Kiss and Delane and I kept drinking those 40-ounce, like, beers that they were selling at the Clark County or what did they I don't the theater? I, do I remember that? I guess, maybe. I guess I remember you drinking. Oh, I do remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm confusing that with something else. I do remember that. And then on the way home, you guys were all drunk and screaming songs from Labyrinth. Wasn't that that yes. night? Yes. What was the song? You don't have to sing it, but what was the song? You were all like, la, 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 in the backseat of the car, like some Labyrinth song really loud. Oh, there are many Labyrinth songs. What was the one you were singing? Do you even remember? I don't remember. Because it was all of us and Brad and Lara and Dennis, and we were all piled into whatever, and you and, and Delane were in the back. And then on the way home, you just were so drunk, and you were singing songs from Labyrinth at the top of your lungs uh, in a small, like, confined car with the windows rolled up where it was just became the loudest thing on earth. It was kind of great, actually. All right, we should take a break here. Come back. Uh, we'll wrap it all up after this. Like us, it's at 3. Don and Mike at 7, etc., uh, etc., et so on and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> sums it all up. It says, Rick, I cannot believe Mrs. J let him spend $300 on Van Halen ticket. It wasn't three, sir. $549. Good gravy, as uh, Colonel Potter would say. 
How long do we have until the uh, closing music starts? About 15 seconds. Uh, oh, we didn't do the other Halo 3 giveaway. Uh, that means we have to do two tomorrow. So tomorrow, two copies of uh, Halo 3 will we be giving away. Uh, that is uh, tomorrow. Also, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran joining us in the studio tomorrow, I believe, with a view of Into the with a review of Into the Wild, the new Sean Penn film. Uh, what else? Well, that's it. Other things happening tomorrow as well. I forget what. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, Halo 3 tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran tomorrow, and whatnot. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for AM 970, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley. Uh, the PA is Scotty J. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Our thanks to CNN Radio correspondents Bob Costantini and James Roop. As always, my friends, don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Like us next. Bye now. Yesterday's positive report card shows children do learn.